Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of April 2020. Now this will be probably a long talk and so I should remember right now to remind you that you can donate to me at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You'll see how to do it through PayPal or even send cash or send checks and it tells you uh, how to how to get them to me. And remember too that uh, right now with all this uh, <laughs> pandemonium, let's put it that way, this this managed uh, and promoted pandemonium that we're living through right now, that most businesses are, are in a lockdown too. And so you have to wait if you order books, for instance, you have to wait until you can get the printers to 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 get them done because they're pretty well in lockdown as well through all this crisis and um, well the whole country is isn't it so it might take a little while but it'll get to you eventually once they get printed don't worry about it so you can order it cutting through the com. remember and you'll see an address, also see an address there to, if you want to post something to me and how to do it and if you can't find that just email me and you can find out how to do that too at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and how to get in touch if you're confused about anything at all. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But yeah, you can donate to me and that helps me tick along. And I've got expenses here naturally and my equipment's really old. All of it is very simple, but it's still, it's still expensive to me, that is, at my level of, uh, of income. <laughs> so you can help me tick along as I say by by sending a few bucks this way as well. And you got to remember, too, that all the big talk show guys out there use my archives all the time and never mention me whatsoever because I've been, I've been putting out stuff since the 90s and detail. And um, believe you me, those archives are heavily, heavily used by pretty well everybody you hear out there on the radio. So anyway, uh, I'll get back to the talk now. Hope you're all doing okay under these incredible circumstances. Eh? And what a time it is to be... Uh, I, I, I don't say alive anymore, I just say existing. We're existing uh, in a form of lock, under lock and key pretty well across a good part of the globe. I'm pretty certain, too, like most big, big things that happen in the world, we're living through a time where things are not just happening as we stumble down through time, but there's a lot of planning goes into everything, of course. What it does show you under this particular period of time is the the global management of this whole system, which really is quite interesting because, as I've talked before in the past about how stars are made from scientists and his, even historians now, they make, and they make sure you'll follow them all. And, and you've got Neil Ferguson, who has his, um, who's a guy that's often quoted by governments for his predictions, basically, uh, supposedly of, of what's going to happen with most things in life according to the past, past histories and so on. And yet, it's to do also with computer modeling. Uh, very, very important. Because I was thinking about that just the, before I came on. And everywhere you look, uh, even whether it's Toronto or the States or other countries in Europe, in China too, they're using computer models to predict the future. It's quite fascinating, really, to realise that the talks they gave back in the nineties are all really <laughs> coming true. To do with a religion, as they take religion out of the picture, 
they really replace it with a new religion because that's what people seek religion. They seek answers to things which frighten them or they can't understand or the fact too that we're living and we die and most folk don't like that. And the ones at the very top really don't like it because they love living. They enjoy it more than anybody else because they get the best treatment for everything. They even have life extension for, and that's quite open actually, uh, at very high circles. And even with talks they give in certain countries, they've got a spare $7 million or more. They can keep you alive till 140 if you so wish. So it, we're living in amazing times as the elites uh, go all out to make sure that they keep living forever, <laughs> as long as they possibly can. Because life's pretty wonderful when you get up in the morning and you really don't have a care in the world. Uh, it's what most folk can't understand, literally not having a care in the world. People who are brought up with butlers and servants and so on, from childhood, where even their clothing is laid out in the bed for them and they're, and they're helped to get dressed, uh, they, and sail, they sail through life. They don't get up thinking about bills to pay because it's all taken care of by managers and estate managers and so on that deal with all of that. And they, they get into their chauffeur-driven cars and they have no idea or, and they care less to know when it was service or just out of the garage or, and the other ones getting used in the meantime. As getting, you know, they, have, they have none of that. They don't even know, how we change, you know where the oil goes. They probably don't even know if there's oil in it or what it's for. These things are literally unimportant. It's all taken care of by other people, little people. That's what they call the little people. And they love life. They really, really love life because it's so wonderful to them. And they have the best medical care that the money can possibly buy. And they, they don't even worry mainly at the top here about cancers anymore because they have the, the stem cell uh, projects underway. They're really old projects going back to the 1970s, but only now they're, they're allowing people down the totem pole if you've got the cash to, to actually get in on it and, and get certain cures. But they've been using that since at least the 70s, maybe the 1960s for the wealthy elite already, which means they're onto something even further when they allow that level to be sold to the public. So we're living through amazing times, as I say, where we're being told by our masters, really, to be absolutely terrified and... There's, a few, there's so many things you have to notice about all, really. For years now, especially since, since the, the, the Levis Inquiry in Britain, the Lord who basically was given the task to censor all, all journalism in U, the UK, Australia followed suit with a, a, their own clone version of this particular judge. And they passed pretty well the same things, where, where suddenly journalism became flat, more flat than it had been for a long time. It's always been rather um, controlled, rather very controlled, in fact. Any journalist knows where his bread and butter comes from. And he knows that uh, if he wants to get the jam on top, you know, his paycheck, he's got to play the game, according to his master. And you, they don't have to, most folk in the world don't have to be told what and what not to do uh, in their jobs. Again, it's like osmosis. Again, you learn through osmosis. You, you catch on rather quickly. And uh, there are certain smiles and as things are said and, and knowing smiles. And you, you give knowing smiles back because you, you say, I understand. You know? And that's how things really work. 
So you have to be complicit in what you've agreed to, even though it's never verbally spoken directly. And that's how things really are in this, this world in which we live. But after that, that so-called inquiry, and they came out with the laws and so on, journalism became even flatter than it had been for an awful long time. And so for quite a few years now, and I've given many talks on it, people had tuned out. And, and they all, all knew it. People were on the internet and so on. But people had tuned out of regular media. It was so flat and unresponsive and boring and repetitive. And it wouldn't tackle any important uh, subjects, which were obviously people were well aware of things were happening, but they wouldn't report on it. until So they were completely ignored and discredited big time. But you understand that, that happened as well. Even in 2001, that went flatter then too, as the big lies took place, you know, the noble lies to, to conquer the world and all that, or conquer their enemies, and they call it the noble lie, uh, you know, that, that enemies that lived in caves did it all, and stuff like that. And so you had to go along with the noble lie. So the greater good, you see. And they talked about the, the need for the noble lie, and they put it into university talks and everything else too for up and coming. Um, people who would be part of the, the future media that's now in the flat response time that we're in today. So anyway, you've watched it going down the hill and down the hill and down the hill. It was always biased, of course. You had literally black and white newspapers. that You always had the, the, the left wing and the right wing. And even their symbology is quite fascinating. And their terminology for, for what they call themselves. Uh, very, very telling in, in the so-called Masonic circles as they play the game, you know. But really, um, they had lost all credibility very rapidly since 2001. It really escalated uh, up until, I say, the, the inquiries in Britain and the laws were getting passed and all that. And then the rest of the world just followed suit. And since then, it was just dead flat and boring. And they kept giving you heaps and bucketfuls of trivia and celebrities that replaced what used to be called news. And eventually people will start to think it is news, you know. But it's not. News is not something to do with personal lives of the rich and famous, regardless how, you know, temporary they might be but in celebrity status. But that's what they replaced it all with. And, and we've all lived through this. It's so completely disregarded. They're losing money. They had their hands out everywhere. They tried every gimmick in the electronic systems of the internet to try and get people to subscribe and pay for the news that they would give you and so on. And often even what they give you now is still commentary, is still commentary, and, and very weak and very politically correct commentary at that. So it doesn't have the credence it used to have a long time ago. Do you realize that, that literally almost overnight with this hype about, oh my, we're all going to die, you're all going to die, the big horror story, Mass, mass hysteria was created. And I've given talks many, many years ago and not so long ago again about how horror stories work. And it's to do with the limbic part of your brain, the so-called primitive part too, that has all the different functions in it for survival and and all the, all the basically the, that uninhibited part of you that has to survive at all costs. And it's not really a thought-through process. It, you just do it and, ha and it happens. And the fight or flight and so on syndrome that kicks in too. And that's why you watched movies, especially horror movies that are pretty bad. I've watched lots of horror movies that are awfully bad. Some of the, some of the old ones compared to what they're putting out today 
uh, are virtually classics uh, with uh, fantastic acting <laughs> compared to what they put out today. But anyway, that's a different story. Yeah, I'm talking about even all B's and C's and so on. At least they weren't cussing and swearing every 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 sentence and etc. But anyway, the reason you watch these story these horror stories is because you are and I've said before many times when I've talked about the subject, you're in the position the person who is getting chased or hunted or going to get eaten or whatever it happens to be, and you project yourself there. And uh, and with every turn and twist as you're getting chased or whatever it happens to be, you're getting set up to be killed or whatever. Um, you're 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 on a, almost in high alert, like the person in the movie. You project yourself into them, and that's why you watch them, even when it's bad. And if you turn your eyes away for a second, you see, this is awfully important. You 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 might you, that's the moment you might find out if you hadn't see, seen what was going to happen, or the movement of this creature or whatever what it was that was going to eat you, you might get eaten. You see. So your mind is attuned for sur- pure survival, and you've got to be uh, incredibly wide awake to, to watch it on, see it all, so you can deal with it in case it happens to you. See? And that's why you watch it, no matter how bad it really is. Some of the things, mind you, are so bad today, you might just want to die anyway. Uh, it really is so bad, some of these movies. I, I actually I often wonder if that's what they're meant to do, is just kill you off out of boredom. But, but the old ones are pretty decent, really. Even when they had little rubbery figures, they were supposed to be monsters and stuff, it was quite good because they were enthusiastic the way they projected across to the public. You, you kind of had to get into the Shakespearean type mood of it all where the audience would participate in a sense in the actual play. But it worked out okay. So you get fight or flight, as I say, for pure pure survival. And that's what you watch. Well, that's what you're getting today. And that's what the media's, media's resurgence. An overnight resurgence out of year, almost a decade, more, more than a decade of complete mediocrity. Overnight, through, through a terror event, you see, oh, suddenly the whole planet is tuning in in case they miss something that might, that might save their lives. And all they're doing is getting terrified and terrified to make sure they keep watching one after the other, the next expert, the next, and they're all contradictory, of course, as they all vie for stardom, the different doctor so-and-so and doctor so-and-so and doctor so-and-so, etc., etc., and they all vie for the stardom, you see. It's interesting to really study humanity in these times, as we're being all studied incredibly minutely at the moment. It's astonishing to see them all come forth and the little, all the egos clashing and so on. But getting back to what we're talking about and how the media's made this massive resurgence, just out of pure fear and terror and all the rest of it. And they don't have to even look for any, they weren't even born to look for news before, mind you. But now it's even better because, because all you do, this give you doctors giving you terror events every day, you know. Oh, your, your eyeballs might fall out or, you know, if you suspect a symptom, make sure you phone in. Uh, things like that. And... Of course, the, the, the agenda, the, the agenda for sustainability is, is all, this is all what you're living through, Agenda 21's here, folks. This is it. As I've said before, at the last climate meeting, and I read the articles and the speeches they gave, that the public weren't listening to them. And the whole point of the climate thing was depopulate the world. There's too many people, you give off carbon. You, that's the excuse to use, was the climate, you see. Before that, they had other excuses for it including global, global cooling, but still too many people. It's almost the same thing, because the real, the, real, the real thing they're getting at is there's too many of you, 
and we want to depopulate you. It goes all the way back to before even uh, the 20th century started, all the organizations that were on board with this. So here they are, fulfilling it all. You see, they said at that, that meeting that people were not listening to them. They weren't obeying them and consuming less and, and all the rest. They already got you into a post-consumerist society, post-industrial type society, as uh, some of their heroes of the left. They're really the heroes of the ultra-ultra-rich at the top, like Maurice Strong who was picked up by Rockefeller, groomed by him, and put in charge of oil fields to learn the trade. That's how they do it, folks, you know. And then they set him out there as supposedly um, this kind of strange international socialist-type character uh, who is in charge of all the, the, the climate, and he's in charge of, of uh, consumerism and anti-consumerism and sustainability and biodiversity, etc., etc., etc. I made it a star by the machine again, too. Uh, but but Maurice Strong said the same thing. That by the time we were finished, when he was asked at one of his big meetings after the, I think it was a Rio summit, and uh, it's a famous paper put on, what, on his speeches they gave, and a person who was there at the time asked him, who stood in for his son. His son had got ill or died, I think. And so the dad went up and, uh, and, and to attend the meeting and he talked to Maurice Strong and he, he broadcast what, what happened at the conversation on the international radio at the time. And he's talking about what you're just talking about, he says to Maurice Strong. He says, you're talking about giving rights to animals and trees and everything else. And he says, but what about the people, you know? And... Maurice Strong said to him, he says, when we were finished, he says, you, you wish you had the same rights as a tree. This is not a, a, a people-friendly organization that Maurice Strong, he, he was a front man for the ultra, ultra, ultra rich. You understand? A complete front man. And ruthless with it too. So you've got to understand what you're dealing with here. And this agenda here, has been rammed through everything that they, they couldn't get through the, the, the sustainability uh, agreements and the Millennium Projects and all the rest of it to, to reduce population and consumers. And Maurice Strong, remember, also said that um, we must destroy and, and just completely dismantle all progress the West made in industry. That's what he said. To bring into a pre-industrial society. Well, pre-industrial, it was not a healthy place for most folk. Folk died quite often with, with colds and things and influenzas all the time because they were, they, were, they were so unhealthy. And they were starved. Most folk were bulk, bulk starved, basically, and malnourished in places like Europe, different countries, especially Britain, that never looked after its working people. So, yeah, we're dealing with, with an agenda here getting rammed through. Now it's under the guise of, oh, we're all going to die if we don't just give up all your rights, stop working completely, uh, don't obey immediately every order you're given by authorities of all kinds. And by the way, you've yet to see all the different authority agencies are bringing forward. I mentioned commissars years ago, but will be in your area. Well, they're bringing them out now as they recruit them all in different areas across Europe and Britain especially, again, and, and Australia and New Zealand and Canada. And they will be your, your local commissars. They'll, that's who you'll go to with any grievances, like you're starving, you know, because you can't get food or anything like that. They've got all these kind of things arranged. And a lot of, even the states too, they set them up too for, for disasters, etc. after 9-11. And had ex-military people, anybody with, with who'd, who'd done any kind of service, could volunteer for the same kind of projects 
well, now you've got them, and they're snooping on their neighbours in some countries and phoning the cops. Because in some countries now, you're not only allowed maybe one short... In Britain, I'll put a, a link up to a YouTube where a, a fellow's out there with his camera, and he's looking at these empty streets, and two, two huge, these strange Doctor Who-looking police vehicles they have now in Britain, these bright yellow and green things, all striped. And, and one of them stops, because he's, he's, he's basically out there with a camera. And the man, you hear the, you hear the cop saying to him, because this is authorised in Britain. And the cop says to him, are, we out for our, are you out for your, your, your short one walk per day, sir? That's what you're allowed, one short walk per day. Now, how short is a short walk? I'm not sure. And I guess the cops are relishing this kind of power they've got. And they are, actually. If they think you're out for too long, you're going to get a fine down the road. They're talking about fining you next. If you won't run back from your short walk, your one short walk per day. It, it, it's out of, out, of, out of sight and out of control. I'll even put another one up, too, with Nigel Farage, who is doing it from his home. Uh, like everybody else, but he talks about it too. You're, this lockdown is, is like you're... Because what's happening now, you're now a prisoner, you understand, and the police are your wardens, your prison wardens. And it's going to get a lot worse than this because they're going to extend it as long as they can possibly extend this this big, big movement to save us all. And so, I'll, I, again, I'll just go back to what I talk I gave years ago too, from the, with when I was talking about the, the Green Party in Britain, a long history of it, and I won't go into the beginnings of it, but they're, they're quite fascinating themselves. But it was a leader of the British Green Party, or one of the leaders, uh, you, you, the other one's quite interesting too, but the, the woman who was in charge, um, the spokesperson at the time for the party a few years back, maybe 10 years even, I don't know, she said that she had, she had, she had nostalgia for, for the way it was in World War Two, when you were getting bombed by, from Germany and and everybody was rationed, and everybody had to go into, a lot of people in the London had to go into the underground, and they'd have these party songs, that's how they projected the old movies, of course, it was miserable in reality. But she, she says that was wonderful, and the people all pulled together, and they didn't complain about authority and authoritarian system, because it was wartime, and they all had to pull together to get through, and they, they didn't complain about rationing and all the rest of it. This is what she, she, she hoped to bring into Britain, that kind of obedience, you see. And you, you just quietly suffer things like starvation. But, but she thought it was wonderful. Well, here you go. What, what do you think this is all going to lead to? What do you think it's going to lead to? And I'm not kidding you. I'm not, saying, I'm not playing down what's going on at all with, with the actual virus. But, but the way it's getting played by those in authority are, are really, it's really interesting. And... Where it's supposed to go is even more interesting because obviously there's going to be no economy after this. I hope you understand that. It's meant to destroy. It's back to Maurice Strong that whatever economy was left completely destroy it. And that's how they're going to achieve a lot of their goals, obviously. And you might have eventually your little local commissary will decide how much food you get for the week. And, and so on, you know. And if you think you're looking a bit heavy, they might just cut it back a bit. And you, th- you think I'm kidding, eh? You wait and see. Th- these are the times when you'll see the real control freaks coming forward rather openly. They already are, a lot of them. 
And the longer they can pull this off, the more confident they can feel to really push it further. That's how control freaks work, you see. And we don't have to go through the history of the world to see how it's worked in the previous times. If, if you look at the incredible experiments that have done down through time, in France especially, with the French Revolution, and then you see the, the, the big experiment too with the Bolshevik Revolution, and the mass slaughter of the people, what they called excess, or the middle classes, but really a lot of them were not middle class. So you were killed for your point of view. Because control freaks have, have no tolerance for any other point of view. Whatever title they give themselves, like liberal or left-wing or whatever, or a socialist even. Because don't forget, the, the, the Russia was a union of Soviet socialist republic. So you have to remember what we're going through. And, and during the entire communist era, and especially Canada and the states vied every year to, to, feed, to, send, to sell them the grain. It was a it was big, booming business. And they decimated their farmers, too. And the Ukraine, millions of them, six or seven million of them were killed, starved to death. Great old old uh, videos and photographs of, of the people. But, but the horror that you actually see, and by great, I mean that a lot of, a lot of documentation was taken. And because the, the Soviets uh, thought, or the Bolsheviks thought that they were, well, you know, they couldn't trust these people because the real peasants, it's supposed to be a workers' revolution, eh? but the peasants were hated by the folk who really ruled them. Utterly hated. And so they even took their, their farming implements away too, guaranteeing its total starvation. And you I hope you understand there's people who, who look back at that era and they have the same personality as, as the commissars would go around and do all that. Every, I, I get fed up when, when I hear people, all, all they talk about is Hitler. That, like there's only person in history, right, who, who, who went on a rampage of war. Well, what happened about Napoleon? Huh? What about the Soviet Union? that spread its empire under the Soviet bloc. What I'm saying here, go down through time, and in every generation you've got the high, high-level tyrants with incredible you know, dreams of, of dominating everybody. And that doesn't stop. It didn't just switch off after World War II. Every country has them. Most of them never get up there to command nations, but sometimes they do. And in times like this, you've got to be so careful because it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that they even have the brains of previous tyrants, you see. But they have that spark in where they want to dominate other people. There's a sadistic streak in those who decide that, that they, sh they know how you should be living. Incredibly sadistic. In fact, they hate you, I think. I think it's part of it. It's going to, uh, you know... Uh, a sadistic, psychopathic system where a psychopath, as we know, will give complete allegiance to the, to the uh, officer above him, a rank above them, and complete contempt and arrogant na nastiness to the people below, beneath them, including the next, the next uh, commission down, basically. That's how they, they are. That's how they really, really are. And it doesn't stop through time, like, oh, somehow you're evolving. No, it's the same characters. 
same types of characters. I'm sure we've all met them in different occupations that people have had in our lives. You meet them. You meet them at school even. And it is quite astonishing to, to talk to them. Sometimes they can be awfully, awfully honest with you. Psychopaths that could be awfully honest at times. If they can't get something from you or they don't want something for you, you'd be surprised how honest they can be. And if they conquer or are caught conquering through even the, the ones who end up in prison, because that's what they're really doing when they, when they, when they do whatever it is they pull off. It's, it's a form of conquering. And they, they, they beat somebody. It's a, it's a one-upmanship thing. And they have tremendous egos. They, they are almost pure ego, a psychopath. The cleverer ones can hide it to a good extent and, and use it and, and excel in business and, and become utter tyrants in the business field. Ruthless, too. But we've all met them, as I've said before. And I met one once years ago uh, of a fellow who'd come up to Scotland. And he, he told me one day, quite openly and honestly, he, he said, uh, and I'd beat him in all, all exams. You know? and, and he said, he was quite open and, and honest. And he said, he said, with a real puzzled expression, he says, you know, I said, I had no idea, he says, he says that, that the, the education system was, or trained Scots to be better. I said, what do you mean better? He says, he says I was top of everything, and well, he was in England, eh? and he said, the reason he came to Scotland was he thought he'd achieve even better and higher results in exams, final exams, all different things. By coming to Scotland, we, he had thought we were inferior. And he wasn't being nasty when he was saying this, it was... It was like a, a dilemma he was trying to figure out, you see. That's what it was to him, it was just a dilemma. And, uh, and, and he had those same traits, the psychopathic type traits. And, and that's how they are. But they can be, as I say, awfully honest at certain times when they can't get something for you or get something over on you. Uh, they can be very, very honest. When they're caught, the ones who get caught end up in prison by doing something uh, illegal or whatever, they love to boast. They'll suddenly come out with what they've done because it was so clever and aren't you, aren't you really uh, amused and uh, impressed by what they've done. You know? But we're run by that type and, and they do seek power and that's the problem with all power. They tend to rise, even police commissioners and so on too. They rise to that kind of level of power. And believe you me, if you wonder why political correctness rampages through the police world, apart from their training, that they get too, to always be look out for this and look out for that or bad or even hate stuff, you know. Don't forget that once you have something on the books and have the little courses taken, then they can start arbitrarily judging people for what they say or think. And I'll put up another clip today of a person in Britain. It was an inquiry with a police commissioner or the deputy police commissioner in London, I think it was, because he's forced now or literally giving visits to people or phoning them up according to their tweets and Twitters and, or likes and dislikes and all that. I'm not kidding you. You're so well studied. And they're phoning people up and, and, and putting them on hate lists just for making a joke. And that's for life, folks. That's for life. And so this police commissioner or deputy, he's, he's, he, you'll, you'll see him prevaricate and dance around the questions all the time because he himself is psychopathic qualities and tendencies and obviously no humanity because any decent person would know it's wrong 
to put somebody down on a... It's not a crime, by the way, for what you think. It's not a crime. It's, but it is still a crime now, you see. And characters like this deputy police climbed to the top by going along with every PC thing that, that was in vogue at the moment. And these are the kind who end up being utter tyrants when you get into a Soviet-type system of authority, over uh, an arbitrary authority over the public. I'm not kidding you. You better look at these things and think about them because they're out there. People who literally uh, hold on to humanity and, oh, that's terrible, that's wrong, or right. They don't, they don't get the promotions. For it. it's, it's, the, it's the liquors, as you well know. We'll call it boot liquors, if you like. But these, these are the characters get up to the top. And they have no problem with, with the fallout that causes on society as they go on the rampages uh, and, and get a little brown, more brownie points for their career, but for, for finding more focus. Did you know what so-and-so said? Do you know what their opinion is? Boomf, you know, a record for life uh, by them, not even through a judge or anything else or a jury. Or, huh? We're here, folks. Honestly, we're here. We already had countless articles from science magazines and so on over many, many years. And business magazines, too, for those who read them. And stacks and thousands of articles about what they'd like to do with, with say, digital technology. And where they'd like to take the world and have the biometrics for everybody and, and even the health organizations too. and the big big industries of pharmacology incredible massive businesses uh, the, and the vaccine industries too who are talking about what they'd love to have and, the, and then look at the, the people at the CDC who are in and out in and out of big pharma all the time on the boards and back into the CDC it's like a, I did articles many years ago with the, with the names of the people on the boards and so on who literally came from from the top jobs and and pharmacology and the big, big corporations and into the CDC. And then they're pushed to have certain bills. The same, the FDA was exactly the same. And once they get bills passed, they promote bills and politics and so on. And they go back into the CDC again or whatever it happened to be. That's how it really is, folks. So, everything is so tightly woven with, with the conflict of interest, corporations and politicians and so on. You, you can't disentangle it anymore. You'd have to literally clean out the house and start again because it's everything is so. I mean, every country is the same. Every country is exactly. I can remember when Canada was going. Oh, we're going to have the deregulated, you know, patent deregulated drugs and the older type drugs, uh, generic drugs in Canada. And they all thought, wow, God, it's not wonderful. Thank God, because folk couldn't afford the medications, you know. And then you find out one or two groups or even families end up getting the contracts for so much of it. And before you know it, they're almost the sole contractors for all. In fact, they are. And including all the different opiate drugs. That's how that happened as well, by the way. And and the prices are through the roof, you see. People who want to get rich don't wish about it. They do it. And they're very busy, and, and again, the psychopathic tendencies of them. They, they don't, they're not shy about coming forward, as they say, to get it done, get the job done. And they'll call you, they'll call you up and say, yeah, you know, you have, you have a corporation, blah, 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 and uh, I'd like to, you to do this for me, and I'll do that for you. And they're quite blatant. And, and even when it comes to touching on, 
on on um, any kind of illegal activity with it. They'll, they'll they'll find ways around it, and there's many ways to reward people uh, that are in politics that keeps things off the books. I'm not saying anything new here. It's the way it all runs. In fact, uh, when you look at any of them who start off and they get, you see they're at the salary which is always too big anyway for what they really do and politics obviously. But then you see what, they, what they've got in five or ten years' time, all the billions and their millions. They didn't get that from their paychecks. We all know it, don't we? We all know it. And that's the way it really is. They get they get their gifts and presents and roundabout ways of getting things to them and, and generally it's skipped over by any authorities and so on, as long as it's not too excessively obvious. And even when it is excessively obvious, like the Bidens, you know, the, the son of the Bidens and all that, and the, it, 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 immediately, the, the, because so many of them are involved in the same kind of, what we call corruption from the bottom level, we look, that's how we see it. You get massive attacks by the whole, like, political parties now, if you notice it. It's, it's just so corrupt, isn't it? Everything really is corrupt, everywhere you look. The same thing in Britain, is it growing up, I, don't, I noticed it too. All the different uh, lords that were up in the in the House of Lords, especially, and a lot of the top politicians in the in the House of Commons, they were involved in defence during the Cold War. It was booming business, booming business, where they'd all have um, they'd help to push for the contracts for the big companies that made the missiles, especially, and tanks, of course, naturally, and, and submarines, big business for submarines, nuclear submarines. But they keep pushing for for new missiles and anti-missiles, anti-missile missiles, and and all the rest of it, uh, until literally you couldn't you couldn't even follow it anymore. It was so complex with uh, that the Russians have the latest blah blah blah, and ours is you know five kilometers slower, uh, so we couldn't reach it to knock it out. So we needed another anti-missile missile, and then you have anti-missile missile missiles, and it went on and on and on. Into this ridiculous game of making missiles and massive contracts for expensive, expensive things, which really would never be used. You couldn't even test them to make sure they'd even work. A lot of them, if they're nuclear, I mean, you can't really test them, right? So you take it for granted that these are the, the things that they said there. But the shares that the big, the big boys had in it, that were in the political parties, were enormous, enormous shares, you know. And it was a great game. They, they, they really cried their eyes out when the Cold War supposedly ended and because it came to an end. They never had it so good. Never really. For the, 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 and the weapons wouldn't last that long. Oh, we'd have to dismantle them. They're obsolete now, but the, the ones today are faster. The ones from last year are just too slow. So a constant making new ones and new ones and new ones. And I don't know if you ever saw any of the, the, the good propaganda uh, documentaries put out by the CIA, for instance, or the Department of Defense, all countries have them. And they showed you the, these these, these um, the big minaret towers they have in some of the Islamic countries. And, well, they all have them, really. And that's where they sing their prayers from and so on in the morning, in different times of the day. But they, they said, this is the latest one we've noticed, and they, they pick out a Soviet bloc country. And, and they said, look at that, you know, inside there, we know they've got up, and they reel off this long, you know, SFX, blah, 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 missile built in there, you know. It, it was straight out of uh, Mouse on the Moon, the, the old comedy movie, straight out of that. But they actually used that, and that was taught for like 25 years to every every recruitment group that came in. 
and intelligence and showed them, look at that, see that, well, inside there there's definitely a, and they did it for different ones too, and, and, and so we need a, another ex, blah, 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 anti-myself uh, to, 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 to find it and kill it and destroy it, see? Great business, great, great business, isn't it? And I, when it's done with governments, then, and this is the beauty of the banking system, Britain started it off with the Bank of England, and then they could lend to government, you see, for its projects. And they put down the people as the guarantors to pay it all back. That's beautiful, really, eh? And then the state followed suit with this, with this Federal Reserve for World War One. We could get into that. And, uh, and then the tax are put down and income tax comes in and all the rest of it to pay it off, etc. It's quite an amazing racket we live in, isn't it? And then you find out your governments are like semi-bankers because after World War, end of World War II, they'd already set up this, uh, this economic development corporation. They call it every country had a set-up to do it, overseas economic development corporation. And they'd appoint politicians in charge of it, you know, and they would lend your money across the planet, supposedly for, to help bring the third world countries up to standard. And, and they put factories in, and, or they build factories now for them. Wherever the work was cheapest, they, they used this money uh, for the labor. They, they built the factories and all that. And, and then they used the, the taxpayers back home uh, as they cut their jobs back. There's no factories left in your own country. They made you pay for it all. It's a complete racket. Complete racket. And if the, if the labor got too expensive in one country, they simply uprooted and built another factory using your tax money again and, and the borrowing from the central bank to build it somewhere. And then your bank, you see, your, your, your bank, your, your government end, starts ending up like a bank. Your, your government ends up like a bank as well. It's lending out to countries now. Well, where did they sneak that one in? They're electing a government so they can, they can lend money out or even give it away other countries without asking the people. Well, that's how governments actually work. It's got nothing to do with democracy. They're hoping that nobody's going to bother asking the right questions. And of course, the ones who pretend that they're left-wing uh, are not going to stir them, rake the muck up either and say, well, we don't agree in, we don't agree in you you're giving your tax money away to other countries. And they'll never say that, will they? Which tells you a lot in itself. If they're all for fairness, now why should the people constantly pay money out so that your government can supposedly give it away or lend it out to certain countries, knowing they can never pay it back? And then, and then they have movements going back in the country that's, that's the guarantor to, to make you think that, oh yeah, it's a, it's a nice thing, it's a charitable thing to write off. Well, it's not written off. You're now paying for it. The, the, the guarantors, I mean the citizenry of the country that lent it, are now the guarantors to pay it off. And as soon as you, you, you tear it up and pay it off, your government immediately gives them another loan. It's a complete financial racket by con men. That's how it is. And they use the left wing too. Oh, it's good to write off the debts. Well, it's not written off. We're still paying them. We pay them, you see. Never ending racketeering, really. And that's how the world really works because it's not Disneyland. It's not a happy little place with nice, clean, little middle-class streets and everybody on bicycles and everybody knows everybody else. And so it's really pretty nasty at times. And the characters that run the world tend to be of much the same ilk. And if they have the right qualities of psychopathy, it doesn't matter if they're right-wing, left-wing, or what they happen to be, they're recruited by organizations 
Because if they're psychopathic and they've got a bit of brains in them, they can be useful, awfully useful to those that run the world. That's how they recruit them. It's like the civil service. Most of the civil service, you know, in most countries that I know of, the, the, the people don't even go through into universities. They're often recruited right from high school. And that is their apprenticeship, is once they get in at the bottom level. And they're there for life, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's their jobs for life. They, they know what they have to do, and they're well rewarded for doing it. Well rewarded. And they're often intergenerational. They marry each other, a lot of them. And, and that's because they don't have to have resumes put in. Their, their, their parents are, are their resume and their grandparents. They're like lineage, they're generations of bureaucrats and civil. That's what, um, George Orwell or Blair, and his real name was Blair. That, that's what, uh, that's where he came from. So the real world is, is really, it's, it's the machinations of real <laughs> deceit and, and, uh, conning and pretense, and we who are being fooled have to participate in our own our own deception by deciding to ignore it. You see, and this and pretending that, well, well, you know, it's it's not that bad, is it? Or really, this whole idea of having a, a democratic system, which of course they've scoffed at for years at the top. Is it's a nice, it's a nice, you know, myth. Basically, it's a, it's a kind of a myth of the past, and it's um, and and again, it's a, a utopic vision of a future that you're always working towards. You suffer now, so it's like down the road they're going to like it. Well, most folk, I think, today are, are pretty sick of looking to the future. They want it now. You see. And, and each time you, you start to see a glimmer of things getting a bit better for you financially, you're dashed again with another bank crash with economy. Uh, and, uh, or the dollar is just completely devalued anyway, or your currency, whatever it happens to be, completely devalued by the ones at the top. You, don't, you never meet. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather vote for the folk. That, when you, the folk who really do things, most of them you don't even know their names. They do exist, but they don't, go, they don't run for politics. They really don't. You, you might not understand this, but the big, big movements in your governments of the, the Western and Australia too, and New Zealand, the big, big movements that, that change your system don't come, the big moves don't come from the, the ordinary people or the politicians for that matter. The, the politicians might rubber stamp them because they know how, they get they get a clue how the system really works, and it's not to ask questions when you get the nod or the wink, as they say. But when it comes to big things, like for instance free trade, and the policies to do with all free trade, which are binding policies to, to unite the planet under a financial system, uh, a political type system. We've been through this before many many times in my talks with free trade and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the CFR in, in Americas. Uh, they have one, again, for, the Euro for Europe now, the, the, the um, European Council on Foreign Relations. And they have one for the Far East. And the heads are based in Japan for that, or were anyway. 
but they also have ones in China now, in the communist China. And as this, as Carl Quigley said, who did this, the, their history, for, because of their own archives of how the world really has changed, and he wrote his book, Tragedy and Hope, because he said, because they're so important in the development of where the world's come from and where it's going, because they create the history. Not the one they give to us at school, but because they really make all the changes for globalism and for uniting the world into free trade blocks and for central banking systems and world, the World Bank and, and the IMF. They created all of this, this, this private organization. And it's his time that the public knew about it. And he didn't think the public would object. So, yeah, the, 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 the free trade deals, including the old NAFTA deal, the USMCA deal, same thing, was drafted up by members of the Council on Foreign Relations. Some inside politics, a lot outside politics, but most of them you've never heard of. And they also drafted up the, the ones for the European amalgamation, for the European Union years ago. Private body of organ, an organization, the name is you most folk had never heard of. And they always got a front politician, you push it through, but um, the ones who really plan it all and do it all are never uh, running for election on anything. They're appointed into a cabinet or over a, a, a house or a cabinet or department, and that's how it's done. The free trade for, for the NAFTA deal for Canada was an outside appointment. The man was put in, Simon Reisman, uh, who looked over the affairs of, the preordained affairs of Canada. Canadians didn't know it, but uh, it was a completely right thing from the beginning. Private organizations. That's how the world's run. And these same private organizations with their guys in suits and ties and all that, and when you see them smiling and grinning at you, uh, you better remember that, per- that face can turn into a very evil entity if you disobey them because they're psychopathic, you understand? That's the real world. That's how it's run. And they come to the fore when, when power is up for sale or up for grabs as you're seeing today. And the coming out of all professions, too, it's quite interesting to see the professionals come out and you get the sociologist ones. So, you know, there's too many people anyway, and the same with the climate change group, you know. They're all fronts for the big uh, foundations behind them. And, uh, yeah, there's too many of you, and, you know, clean the world, and, and all the old folk will die, they say, you know, and it's like it's a good thing. They're all coming out. Because they, 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 this is a thing I've noticed with psychopaths too. They're, because they're ambitious, you understand. Some of them are ambitious. And the, the really intelligent ones know when to keep quiet. They'll watch, they'll, they'll watch the, the course of things before they make a move. But, but the, the ones that are chomping at the bit, maybe a bit younger or whatever, they come out openly thinking this is the time they can express whatever they, they really think. And, and then, yeah, it'll help depopulate the world, just like the climate change agenda wanted. And, if you bring into austerity, then the return of sickness and malnutrition and, and more, more child mortality and childbirth, etc. And uh, etc. Et it's just open. There's, not, there's nothing secret about it if you're bringing folk into austerity. I hope you understand what I'm just saying about austerity here. The plan that they, they said they have to force on the world. And I gave the talks on austerity they had at the United Nations and all the, the organizations associated with them that, to do with austerity and what it meant and all the rest of it. And the politicians all signed on to different bills to rubber stamp. Well, bingo, Here's, here, here it goes. You're, we might have to bring in rationing. 
my goodness. Well, nobody's earning anything. Well, except for the big corporations that have got their hands out and billions get thrown their way, right? And amazing all the different, uh, even the psychologists and, uh, and the nudgers, the behavioral insights teams, are getting millions and billions thrown at them, folks, to manage us and our minds as we go through this and their behavior. They'll get their hands out, all the, the real happy psychopaths. They can grab it quite without a conscience of guilt of any kind whatsoever. They don't have guilt, you see. But this is when you see them come to the fore. Do, do you know that in some countries you've got doctors sending out uh, notices, not really, really forms, to patients who have disabilities, physical and it could also be like Down syndrome, for instance. Uh, folk who, who have, um, who, who are not dying. Folk who have cancers who could live in our 10, 15 years of treatment. Uh, saying that, that maybe they should consider if they get sick with this COVID thing, um, not to go to hospital, but they could, they could request, they could request just uh, not no resuscitation. And it's, it's sent to their relatives mainly for these people, by the way. Eh? Very clever. Don't let, don't let the people know. Sent to their relatives. So quietly they'll put you down as well. Don't resuscitate this person if they get sick with this COVID. It's all coming out now, isn't it? Do you realize during the, during the, the so-called racial hygiene programs of Germany that they copied really from uh, Britain and the U.S. to do with sterilization, but they also started to just kill the people who had, uh, who, who had psychiatric problems and mental hospitals and things and deformities. How come they're always blasting Hitler? And yet, we see, I've seen this kind of thing going on for years in all countries when the governments get uppity and give more grants out to certain segments of society. But it's done, it's done scientifically, you understand. <laughs> There's nothing personal about killing you, you know. Nothing personal, it's just science, you know. And they're all doing their, their computer modeling, eh? Our lives are run by computer modeling. I keep thinking about this computer modeling and Neil Ferguson already oh, millions and millions and millions are going to die, you know. The guy that they make the star who, who believes in empire and, and who is, who's pally with all the neocons in America who made him a star, the star-making machinery. And then he's given advice to governments on and what he sees and so on. And this is the programs you're going through, the, uh, that type of uh, <laughs> computer modeling of, of this COVID virus. Eh? And I was thinking, as I said earlier, and without finishing what I was going to say, but there was um, I, I thought about the, the, the song, The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel, because the lines in it, and that was the big thing back then, too, when that was written, that song. It wasn't just the, the signs on the subway and so on. They scrawled and painted, you know, it's, you know like, like um, graffiti-type signs, which they were talking about, too. Uh, they were giving you all the warnings, the signs and the warnings of what was happening at that time and what was to come. As science really, they didn't mention the fact that science is rising and rising, except to give hints at it, if you want to think and decipher it. And he said, and the people bowed and prayed. And it's again, kicking religion out, as I say. Because they say that you can take 
the people out of religion, but you can't take religion out of the people. They'll, they'll look for it elsewhere. Well, they've been given it by the ones who displaced it. And it's the scientists. Academia and the scientists, you see, the experts, they would dictate how you're going to live and even why you should live or maybe you shouldn't live, etc. The very things that George Bernard Shaw talked about. And H.G. Wells and all the other great characters that were made into stars too by the same organization behind them. So in, in the sound of silence, they say, and the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. You see, that's your new god, the science. Electri- electricity. electricity. I should say it too, that the electricity is the elect, you know, the trick of the elect, and <laughs> it's true. Because it's dominating everything. Without this, and I, I remember hearing a preacher, he was dead now, years ago talking about it. He said, you know, this evil, evil thing, this force, this entity called different names, he said it, it couldn't achieve its goals without the computer computerization. They can collect all the data on every individual, not just your names, but everything about you, things you don't even know yourselves. It couldn't happen. And do it so easily and effortlessly, eventually, as a computer is developed across the whole planet and bring it all together and bring it in. And I thought about that too, because I could see that happening myself. And I thought, yeah, I see, this, is, this, is, this certainly has the power to control everybody's lives minutely. The greatest, the, this, this is the true, the true orgasm of the ultimate tyrant that's never existed before. This kind of dream, total power over everybody. So you build a thing with your own hands, eh? and then you, then you worship it like a god. There was a science fiction put out about that years ago too, can't remember the author on that one, where they kept feeding into, a short story, they kept feeding into their computers, and they had a system of computers across the world, but one major one, you see, it was the God computer, because because you'd have a, it would answer all your questions, and eventually they say, is there a God? And there was a, a quiet response, you see, quiet. Which is, near, the silence is terrifying too, remember that, sound of silence. Eh? And eventually it lit up, and, and, across, and, it, and it connected to all the different computers across the planet. And there's fed into, is there a God? And it says, there is now. Eh? And uh, it's, it's these things that are very telling in, a, in drama, and it stay with you because they're, they're very pertinent. Well, now you have governments not listening to people at all except select polit- politically correct people. Everybody's out for something. Even the anti-hate groups are out with their hands out there for billions, literally billions. Eh? It's a business. So naturally, they're going to see hate wherever, wherever, until eventually everything's classed as hate. If, you're, if you do, a different point of view is hateful, you see. Now it's your thoughts that are hateful. Oh, thought crime. So everything's out there, as I say, for, for its own purpose, because we live in such an incredibly corrupt time, a corrupt society. You, you've had a build-up since World War II, uh, increasing, increasing a uh, build-up of worship of celebrities and multi-millionaires, and now it's multi-billionaires, and the very fact they're multi-billionaires apparently gives them better status at dictating to us how we should live. Uh, well, where did that come from? How does that correlate? doesn't at all, does it? They're made into stars by machinery. They all are. Celebrities. The people follow celebrities. Hmm? That's what we're told. 
the Council on Foreign Relations brought celebrities on board with it years ago, like George Clooney and Angelina Jolie and others. Because the, the people who read all the gossip stuff, and that's what you had for years and uh, as a replacement, a substitute for news, is celebrities. And therefore, when they're talking, they, suddenly they're, they're in the CFR now. And all the people who follow them and like them, you see, they like them, even though they don't know them. They like them because they like the personas portrayed through fiction, you see. And, uh, well, so-and-so said this. Maybe they're right because they're, I like them. People are making decisions because they like them, not, not because of any intellectual component. We're so manipulated, it's beyond overboard. Beyond overboard. We've never had a time like this before. And today, I mean, over half the world, maybe, maybe three quarters, is in lockdown. Do, do you realize World War II and World War One, and then World War Two, caused havoc across Europe, especially Europe. Absolute havoc, where it and massive deaths and slaughter that they're never ever dreamed of before by tyrants. That kind of slaughter, and the energy and power that was expended through technology to do the slaughter, and then World War Two came along. And they'd already, from Sandhurst in England, you know, the officer training uh, at Sandhurst um, were getting taught before World War II came along. And, and they also brought officers in from other countries, including Germany. And I remember there was a general from Germany, he became a general eventually, um, who mentioned that, that Britain was teaching total war. And that all it worked out in, in, in like, a, like a manual almost for total war in that the old wars, and it's true enough, the old wars were often uh, almost localized type uh, events that happened where a country would send a bunch of troops over or mercenaries over uh, to another country where the king or the was, was, was having a Tiffany's cousin or whatever. And a battle might happen outside a town even and it didn't really affect the town much either. But as time went on and weaponry became more efficient and heavy artillery, etc., uh, then they would lay siege to towns and, and demolish them like World War I. Uh, they've got photographs of old, um, old or spent shells, massive, massive shells for the heavy artillery guns. Uh, like and they're they're built. They're, they're, you see the people standing down below as these things are tiered up, huge things, about forty feet high. Some of them, uh, the em- empty casings, football fields full, and these would come from maybe one main bombardment. They went on for twelve hours straight or more. You, you can't imagine the energy used to slaughter people. And again, World War II came along, and they had total war, and they said, well, you see, now, now, that, we're, now we can demolish whole cities like we showed in World War I, then all the civilians are there for legitimate targets, because they'll work in the industries that produce the enemy's aircraft or weaponry and all that. And so it's all legitimate now. It's all decided above, you see. And then they go on about Germany bombing targets in England, Mainly it was Scotland and two that Clyde side and then they hit uh, Edinburgh too as well. Trying to get the fourth bridge at one time. 
because they thought one of the main ships was there too. But anyway, they started bombing England, and uh, but only after Churchill had had told them to bomb Berlin. Then Dowding, who was in charge of the air force, was all for total war, and, and they they slaughtered the working class populations across many German towns and cities. And of course, they kept it quiet for many, many years after the war. Because you're all, you're the good guys, you see. But in reality, uh, you know, we do live in a fiction. We, we really do. And then, uh, then during the World War Two, as it was almost ending, they had a meeting with, with King George residing over it uh, about depopulation. There, there still weren't. They said there were too many folk after the war. They hadn't killed enough. And meanwhile, everybody was all fighting, thinking for their country and their culture and way of life to protect it all. And then you see what happened in the 1960s. But what a joke we live through. We do, we do live in a joke, a complete fantasy that, that's so indoctrinated into us. And every young boy is so susceptible to it, I must admit, because you're brought up with, with your country. is just wonderful. And... Young guys admire guys in military. You do that, and that's why you end up going up into the military yourself. That's where it happens. And obviously, you think your country must be always in the good, or you wouldn't go in the first place, except if you're really psychopathic. But you, but you have to stop really now and say, wait a minute here. That we live in a completely different system than the one we've been indoctrinated into. It's as alien as, as something from outer space, almost, or Doctor Who. It's so alien to what you've been trained and taught to believe. And it's at times like this, when these things happen, these events happen, where things don't make sense to you, then you've got to question it. What, what on earth are they doing? An example is, very simple, quarantined of the nation. It's not a, a new th- idea. It's almost chiseled in stone. That here's what you do if some terrible pandemic breaks out, like a Spanish-type flu. It, it, you, you didn't sit and wait for it happening. You, know, you know what to do? You close, you close the, your country like an iron, like an iron fortress in a sense, with, with an iron wall around it. You close it right away according to the data you're given, to call it a pandemic, you understand? You don't call it a pandemic lightly. Especially when you've been watching China frantically going around the streets, spraying stuff and caught mists everywhere and so on and so on. But you still allow all the planes to come and go into your own country. They're still coming and going, by the way. I put a little clip up by Nigel Farage. Just, to, just, just for the little bit that's in it you might like, which he says, isn't it? He says they're still letting the Heathrow still bringing like 20 flights a day in or more from the infected areas right now. You know? And I kept wondering why we're all getting locked down while they're still bringing people in like this. Well, if you want to make things and it's not panning out with numbers and all that, then you've got to literally. Keep it going until you get enough people in to, 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 to bring more infection into the country, obviously, to make it happen. Why else would you be doing this? Why else? Why else? Come on. You, you, you want to bring more and more folk that, that, that they are outside your country uh, into your country? Oh, well, they're, they're citizens or they're dual nationalities. Or what, 
What? It doesn't. That's. It would matter. You take your chances. You do take your chances during. That was always been the law. You know, brought in and and, and then given a, a suggestion before you even come into the country. Uh, you give a, well, maybe you should go home and 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 quarantine yourself for a couple of weeks. Maybe you know. They're doing it in, in England and Canada without telling them anything. They're just coming and going. It's a joke. And if it's such a joke, you're, you're left with, with questions like, are they really that stupid at the top? No, they're not stupid. If it's happening, there's a reason for it, and it's to make it worse than it is. Really. That's what it seems to be. In Sudbury, here, it's just, just near me, 20 miles away or so, I read the articles like last week or the week before, where it said they're expecting a big spike to happen, and it would, and it would happen around you know end of March or beginning. Well, that's when the snowbirds came in. You see, from Florida mainly, and sure enough, they had uh, they had different people in Toronto and different places, and I think one in Sudbury that, that came back as snowbirds that had an infection. And I, I was reading about. From the official website, by the way, for, for Sudbury on, on the illness and so on. And they, what they'd done is move a lot of patients out of the hospital, the main hospital in, in Science North in Sudbury. Science North, they call it, I think. And they moved them out, a lot of patients out. They had some kind of long-term older people there and so on. But they moved them to another place outside the hospital in preparation for the expected this big spike. And I thought, well, if they're expecting a big spike, as I said at the time, it would be probably because of bringing snowbirds in. How else would we get it? And they said there was no community transmission at the time uh, when I read that last article. I thought, well, they must know that there's only, it can only spike in one way in that case. You're going to bring them in or release something. There's no other way to think about it here. And sure enough, you had snowbirds, mainly in, in southern parts of Ontario and so on. But after moving the people out of the hospital in Sudbury in preparation, I looked up there a day there. Sudbury has one patient with it. One patient. And then, on, and I'll put the article up too, that, that Justin Trudeau is bringing thousands more from, from, from people. He said that they're mainly pretty well Canadian dual citizenships and so on, uh, who must be living in other countries, all across Africa uh, and and uh, and parts of India and places like that. And he's given massive loans out to, to help them get the money to come back and so on and to survive. He hasn't given loans out to anybody here that I know. We're all still stuck in our houses. And if you're susceptible at all to it, because they're told you they won't treat you, oh, we have to decide now who we will treat before it happens, you know, and people who have pre-existing conditions and a certain age, you know, we can't really help them. Well, let's bring people from all over, right? And, and Trudeau's excuse for it was, well, it's made better they come back here, he says, than, than be stuck in all these other countries where they've obviously been living, right? Where things may be getting worse for them. Well, what about the folk here who live outside the cities, for instance? Well, here's Agenda 21. You shouldn't be outside the cities. You understand how many things are going to get fulfilled here? Hmm? It's really astonishing. And the biometric scanners and IDs and so on. 
that China has been uh, issuing. There's an app in China and, and to get into different places now, you've got to show it's colour-coded that you're, you're healthy and you're cleared of the virus. And if you're caught with a red, if it goes red, you've got to show this on, your, on their cell phones, wherever they're going. Everything's electronic there. And they want to push it here now, too, colour-coding for the same. I gave these talks in the 90s, this would happen. And eventually, if you didn't have your proper vaccinations, you'd be walking into a supermarket and alarms would go off and they'd come for you. Here it is. Because if you really study history and you understand humanity and you understand the psychopaths that run the system, you can always tell where they're going to go with everything many years beforehand. And understand that everything that's out there, really, comes from the weapons industry, the military industrial complex. Your microwave oven comes from it. Old technology they were using even before World War II to communicate even, right? Some more things come from it. So they're looking at all these different... And I remember reading articles years ago after the, the so-called wall came down in, in Berlin. And they said, you know, with this going down and the, the fact they won't need all the, the weapons industry as much, the big corporations are looking towards um, surveillance, a surveillance society and, and equipping governments across the world with cameras and systems and computerization to survey its citizenry for the peace, to keep the peace. As, as soon as the, as the Cold War was supposedly finished, right? And so any excuse will do for them. They never change agendas. Never change. Now last week too I mentioned that they, that they oh my God, they made a, a superstar of a doctor that was giving her little diktats on the television in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, again, the star-making machinery, hey? Eh? And her own website with likes and dislikes and, and, and all the fake fawning that they'll put in there. And folk do follow the majority, you know, even though it's fake. They, they, they join. The, 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 that's what polls are for, for instance. Polls are meant to sway people to, well, yeah, I didn't think about that. But if all those folk are voting that way, I'll go the same way. That's what polls are for. Look at the history. There's a history of polls and why it was set up. It's convincing people. That's how they really work. I heard a person years ago, a Canadian, it was a woman who, who, who voted for Pierre Trudeau, the father. And she said, I, I know he had a terrible reputation with communism and international socialism and so on. But she says, but she proudly told me that, that she voted because she, she saw in the polls that more folk were leaning towards him that year. And she thought she'd rather be on the sides of the winner. Nothing to do with the policy. Isn't that amazing? It really works with a lot of people, that, that whole thing. And what do you think all the yeses are and the likes and dislikes are? And as, they, as they monitor you, by the way, for liking or disliking something. That's how they got one of the guys in Britain who's been taking his, his hate crime of thought crime to court was because he, he initially put a like on someone's joke. And, and, the, and the cops traced them. I hope people remember that the next time they want you to go off and fight for your country, no, you, you tell these characters like that and the cops, they go and do it instead. Huh? And by the way, all you have to do is to see the police chiefs and see who pays for their holidays and where they go. Now, let's have a look here now. Yeah, the U.S. Navy, right? Under the guise of 
anti-drug laws getting pushed uh, in Latin America. It's, it's Venezuela they're going to, as, as we know. Eh? So yet, yet that this is the best time. We understand this uh, for 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 those for the warmongers to to pull things off when folk are the weakest. You see, it's easier for you. And we already know that the whole neocon agenda has always had the same list of countries that they want to, to take down and dominate completely. And sometimes they'll resurrect the, the country if they need an enemy, like Russia. I gave that talk back in 98. The, the bad bear said that if they ever need it again, if they run out of enemies. Because uh, don't forget that part of the reason that governments today pretend to exist is, is to protect you against everything. And it's hard to do it unless you've got an enemy. So you create enemies. You even finance a lot of enemies. And sometimes you even feed them for long, many, many years. But uh, this is how the whole con game is managed. But anyway, it's the same kind of technique they're using in Venezuela as they did with Soleimani, the Iranian, that they, when they, the week before, whatever it was, they, they passed a ruling in America that... Uh, the Revolutionary Guard, their official military, basically, in Iran, was there for a terrorist organization and was given the right then to kill folk because you're not killing enemies or, or even even friendly enemies or even non-wartime enemies. You're killing a terrorist, you see. It gives it a bit of semi-plausibility in, in, in the different circle. Oh, well, you know, he was a terrorist. It's hard to say that the U.S. is going around the world just killing folk they didn't like, like George Bush Jr. said in the official inquiry, where you look it up, you'll, you'll hear him say it. Well, I never said that, that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11, even though they kept saying it all for about a year before they invaded. You see, he was just a bad man, and the world's better off without him. Well, is, is that a legal <laughs> legality for going around the world? I didn't like so-and-so, so the military went over and killed him. We bombed them out of existence, eh? Come back to the Stone Age. Other things behind it, as we all know. And, and of course, we all know. Of course we do. So the same thing's happened with Venezuela. They don't like the Prime Minister that's there. They're against Maduro. They want a regime change, as they call it, a regime. Uh, uh, when it's their own politician inside, it's the governmental president or Prime Minister. But when they want to overthrow, it's a regime change. So... You get fed up with it, don't you? It's like Groundhog Day with different names, isn't it? Over and over and over and over again. So anyway, the, the Navy ships are being moved towards Venezuela as his administration beefs up counter-narcotic operations in the Caribbean following a U.S. drug indictment against Nicolas Maduro. So yeah, it's a drug indictment. He's now a drug pusher now, you see. We've heard all this before and seen it before. Listen... The CIA and other organizations, by the way, affiliated with the CIA, are down all across the whole length and breadth of Latin America, making sure this stuff's produced. So let's not fall for, let's not even get into that debate about it. We know this from history. We know who's guarding the poppy fields, too, in Afghanistan. We know that Bush ordered, took off the order, which forbid the growing of poppies by the Taliban. They, they forbid it. And once Bush got the, the troops in there, uh, then uh, they, they dropped that law and encouraged it to grow again. It just, oh, come on. Remember the Ollie North thing years ago? Oliver North. Uh, 
and the continuity of government under martial law. They came up during that, that brief inquiry. It was forgotten about. <laughs> and guns for drugs and drugs for guns and hurrah, hurrah. Goes on and on and on. But, and they were selling it, of course, they were selling all this stuff to, to across America, all, all the narcotics, even for that. Your own wonderful government that's there to save you was selling drugs across the country to young kids and everything. That was happening in Britain, too, all through Edinburgh and places, uh, because the London government was participating in it, too. Of course they were. Anyway, different story again. You always hit your enemy at the weakest point. I mean, the, the, the people who advise and belong to all the different strategic organizations for, for wartime or, 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 or strategy, you know, geopolitical strategy, they, they never stop. And, and they actually, they're really, this is when they use this, this, this crisis to our advantage, you see, as you say. How can we, and they're, oh, they're just salivating here because this is a great time. You start killing folk. And Iran, the war drum is bashing against Iran now because this is when they'll be really weak, when they're in a crisis, a terrible crisis with the virus and so on. And a lot of leadership getting hit and all that. That's when you do it. That's when you do these kind of things. And believe me, I have no love for communism either. I have no love for it whatsoever. But uh, it's it's really something you see what's going on. Uh, no disease or no disease, it continues. It continues. It continues. Eh? So they've given themselves the right to basically arrest someone, pull them back to America, and condemn them. Like they've done with others before them. You see, it's awfully, awfully, uh, awfully good for them. And again, they've got the same characters and. You got Rubio in that, the Florida Republican who's been amongst those calling for a tougher stance against Maduro and so on. Eh? But that's only one story. One of many is happening right now. And let's just go to a few articles here. I did save some this week. Uh, more than some, as you well know, it's all you're getting now is, is, is tune in, tune in. Be very, very afraid, children, right? You've got all kinds of people involved with, with pro-China against China, too. They say this has gone on, on as well, of course, as we know. And you've got the World Health Organization and China and dereliction of duty, as they say. Some are complaining, including Japan, too, are complaining that everybody's up their, up their eyeballs in debt to China, uh, that China's taken over the WHO, and you, you can't criticize it and all the rest of it, too. So, so politics never stops, and geopolit- geopolitics never stops either. So you can, you can take whatever you want from these kind of articles. However, here's travel vaccines, right? Getting back to the basics here. Enter the digital age, creating a virtual immunization record, right? Isn't that just what you want to hear right now? Well, why not? Because he's, China's doing it right now, right? Why not? But this article, travel vaccines... It's not just travel, and that's going to be permanent wherever you are. This article is from March 2016. Yeah. Look, see, all these companies look at the, the money we made from their apps and their tracking and all the rest of it. It's big, big money. And government right now is throwing out billions, billions and billions to companies like this, throw their hands out, you see. And they can use that, oh, isn't this one? We'll know who's, who's all had their vaccinations. And they've got a whole list of vaccinations they want to give you and new ones they keep adding to. I hope you understand that. 
And then boosters are what I keep doing every year or two years or whatever. We, we are the business. We are the business, aren't we? But this, uh, this is proof of immunization against disease such as yellow fever is acquired at some international borders in concordance with international health regulations. Then you go through the current standards. International Certificate of Vaccination or Prophylaxis has limitations as a paper record including the possibility of being misplaced or damaged. So they, they, they go through the reasons why we should have electronic ones. We know two of the, the ones we did last week on, uh, on Bill Gates and the MIT and so on uh, working together to, to get even a chip put implanted with your data in it and, and immunizations, vaccinations, and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and tattoos. You tattoo it on and put a chip in. And this is, re- this is real. This is ongoing. They're testing out and so on. And they, they had uh, a showing off it at one of the, the, the last year, I think it was, maybe the last year's um, big tech shows of a guy getting this thing injected into between his thumb and his forefinger, and they implanted this chip into him. They would have his, so much data in him. He was a volunteer, supposedly. Anyway, this is a, this, they've, been, they've been hoping for this for years and years and years. And China's got, as I say, on the, an app on their, 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 their actual phone. You don't get the green light. I think it's green light or blue light. Um, you can't go outside without that turning blue or, or green. And if, it, and if it's red, then and the police catch you. Uh, you, they'll, they'll arrest you, or if you try to get in to, to pay for food or whatever, that rate comes up, you know, you're, you're thrown out, then the cops are called. Another one, too, is a plan you can't trust. For the past decade, Bill Gates has been warning us about an inevitable pandemic and, and getting us used to the idea through conditioning. It's apparently Bill's computer uh, simulations discovered that people would easily fold under government pressure combined with an unseen enemy. Billions of people are locked under lockdown now. Half the world is shut down. Think about that. What they couldn't achieve with a Cold War or before that a World War Two or a World War One, never in the history. Uh, have they even had one country totally locked down day and night? For weeks on end. And they've got it now. With, with half of the world locked down. You, you, this is breaking all kinds of records for, for tyranny. And for, and for uh, again, acquiescence by the public. Well, well, trying to save us all. You, see? you understand where this is going to go to save us all? Think about it, eh? But... Uh, Half the world is closed down. So Gates must marvel at how easy it was to do. Isn't, isn't that true, eh? And then they go into different things about the coronavirus is real, but we've had many waves of flu viruses throughout the years too. And that part's true as well, but th- this virus definitely is, is, is more contagious, it's is said. You know? However, most of the folk get it, don't know they've got it or had it. And it is true that the flus, uh, I've got articles here, where they give you the, the official CDC records of the flu for the past few years. You wouldn't believe how many folk die every year of it. And it's true. But, but with these massive deaths before, there was never a, a shutdown in the country, or any country for that matter, because of it. So he is definitely getting made right now. But this is definitely a killer for, those, for a lot of them that, that catch this thing, obviously. But mainly, again, the elderly and um, 
pre-existing conditions. Most folk today have pre-existing conditions starting around the age of about 40 and 50 because uh, many, many different reasons, by the way. We think you're healthy, but not really. This article here also is to do with the civil liberties nightmare of Orwellian proportions, it's called. And it goes into a reality where people were forced by the authorities to remain in their homes under threat of steep fines while outside the police patrol the deserted streets, ensuring that no one steps outside without official authorization. Then they go into the Orwellian nightmare. It's hardly 1984. But it's... Um, then it says, this, this is a scenario uh, of 1984 that we're in right now, and, and more of it's going to come in the coming days. It's going to be more than just in the coming days. See, this is getting played by the book, folks. And, and it's, it, out of this is com- a, com- a completely different system that's going to come out. What they do is they, they unroll it gradually, the system that we're in right now. And they've got psychologists, and in real time they're monitoring the internet and the chats and so on to see how you think about things and what you plan to do about it, or if you're unhappy with it, or you go along with the next phase, etc., etc. They know within five minutes of putting out a trial balloon, they know exactly what the chatter is, and they know where to pull it back a little bit or extend a little bit or whatever it happens to be. They know exactly. This is, I'm not kidding you. I've read their articles on it with the behavioral insights teams and so on, and MIT too, in on the act, and many others aside as well. So, then roll it out and say, well, in, in March, you might get locked down for March, and, and then it'll peak, and maybe it'll start going down, but this is how they play you, you see? So April comes, and, and it, it, it still hasn't peaked yet, you see? In fact, you wonder if it's peaking out at all in some places, hmm? And even the ones with the hospital, I have to mention it too, but some of the hospitals in New York, so folk have gone there, they're not seeing outside what they think they would see. It's just, there's a lot of strange things going on, put it that way. But now that it's April, they're, they're, they're putting out the next trial balloon, you see. Oh, it might have to, it might have to go another month. And you've already had, again, the, the little, the fainter voices behind it, but steady though. These are the ones that get to you eventually to program you. This might last right into the fall. And then you get RTL saying, my goodness, it might reappear and resurge in the fall, which means you're right through to what they said at the beginning. As you're going right into next year. You, understand? you see where it's all going? In Australia, they've already announced that. Australia really has been quite interesting. The authoritarian manner that they've really pushed everything through so rapidly uh, without any, you know consequence to the, the those in, in, in power. They've locked down the country with even more stringent um, authoritarian methods, or in the terminology at least, that they're putting across to the public is very Orwellian. And I'll put some things up tonight to, to show you some links to stories to do with that. We're seeing it. So, yeah, they're, 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 you're going to get locked down for a long time. This is how they're playing. They, some of them, you almost see them rubbing their hands with glee as they say, big smiles on their face. That, because this is going to be wonderful for, for them. These nobodies are some, suddenly somebodies, you see. Suddenly they're somebodies. And you all have to obey them. Right? Oh, wow. Isn't that wonderful? And their one, too, is I'm putting up, too, is New South Wales, here it is. If you break quarantine, you'll be fined $11,000. 
New South Wales, Australia. Eh? Isn't that wonderful? So Brad Hazard, quite a name, eh? You could hazard a guess there where he, where his authority comes from, has announced eye-watering fines for anyone who ignores a 14-day quarantine after entering the state from overseas. These Those found to have breached quarantine could be fined as much as $11,000 or even face a custodial sentence of up to six months. Right? So that's for the ones here where they just, just say to them, well, at least Justin Trudeau says uh, in Canada, they just, uh, please go home and quarantine and you when you come into the country from abroad, and that, that's, that's what he says. Eh? However, they're asking at the airports in Canada, and no, no one's told them anything. They just wander around do what they want, and when they come in from the different country, it's just astonishing, really, isn't it? Eh? But as I say, the missions—they're not stupid. I don't think they're really utterly stupid at the top. I can only think they want a heavy, heavy loading dose of spread. To make things happen. What else would you do? Why else would you do what you're doing? Eh? But the, the guys at the bottom, uh, the ordinary folk who are locked down, you know, can't even move. Eh? As I say, uh, they're bringing it here too. I can tell it's coming. They're watching Britain and the feedback and how they're handling the feedback from complaints in Britain. This is how they do things. Then they can implement, implement it more perfectly right off the bat in Canada where your, pl- your police will, will will be monitoring you. Are you out for your one short walk per day, sir? Then some honest folks well, I've had two short walks a day, I'm sorry. And big fine for that. They might take away one of your toilet rolls, eh? But uh, yeah, we're living through amazing times when you see what's happening. And then you have this one here too. Um, Normal life will not resume for six months, said government doctor. Whoa. Government, I'm scared of that. And the word doctor makes you quiver these days, you know, the the TV version of the doctor. Not a reality, but the TV one, right? So normal life won't resume for at least six months. As a government placed all parts of the UK on an emergency footing to tackle the coronavirus outbreak. Oh my goodness, eh? Dr. Jenny Harris, like apparently she, she likes she likes the authority. Just from what else I've read, Deputy Chief Medical Officer for England said the nation will not be in complete lockdown for half a year, but said social distancing measures would be lifted gradually. Her warning at Sunday's coronavirus press conference came as the National Health Service announced the first confirmed death of her frontline hospital worker with COVID-19. And the Cabinet Minister Robert Jennings said we simply cannot ask health workers to go on to the front line without adequate protective equipment. This all came out, by the way, in a in a, um, in a test they did four years ago. The government then had a big, big test on a possible coronavirus that would get released and how they'd handle it in Britain. And they said that they knew they'd be short of everything. They said it'd be an utter disaster in the test. So here's the test, the, the real thing happening. And who's surprised? Eh? So anyway, the health the minister Robert Jerick or Jenrick said, "We simply cannot ask health workers to go on the front lines without the, the proper equipment and so on." You you see, there's things out there, articles, and YouTube's up there with people from China living in the West who make a living on exporting stuff back to China and buying thousands of face masks, sometimes millions, and sending them over there and make a massive profit on them. 
and and leaving not one of them even boasted she leaving nothing for Americans. So it's just astonishing. And here we are. We're, we're, now they're, they're floating ideas, y'all. No, don't wear face masks. You know, you, you know, you, it's only for medical staff. Like you're too stupid to wear one or something. If it's just technical or something. No, no, no. We're told that for for a week to make sure that our folk got it. I think really, I caught it. And and then, uh, but now of course they've changed their mind. Just just. <laughs> and you, are you only follow these characters? And believe them and on anything here, but yeah, for 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 months they, they deny. Oh, you, the face masks won't help you. It's like yes, minister, the old TV program uh, about the, the the ministers or politicians in Britain in charge of things, and the head of them, the, the civil service at the time, and one program said he said never believe anything until it's been officially denied, and that's always remember that. Oh, it's never going. I won't help you. You know, I know, I know. Doesn't do you any good. The doc, it's good for the doctors and that nurses, but not for you. And now they're telling you, oh, the opposite. Yeah, you could actually start stopping the spread. So if you're wearing it, at least you, you won't be coughing it out so much. But it also means that obviously you might not be getting as much in from folk who have coughed out. But um, there you go. These are your specialists. They pay big money for telling this stuff. I tell you. Yeah. So anyway, six months, right? Six months spread to say here, possibly. And then you get, um, police can now enter homes to look for people gathering now. As, as I said before, uh, in New Zealand and Australia, they, they go a bit ahead. It's, it's interesting, the so-called colonies, the old colonies of the British Empire. And Canada, remember, too, is part of this um, Commonwealth of Nations that the they eventually came up with the expression, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, when the old, the old empire went out of favour. Uh, but it's the same thing in India, too. And they're more authoritarian in, in the so-called colonies than the, the home at Britain. I mean, the home of people who stand up for rights, land of the free, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but no, the, the colonies are more authoritarian because that's how they were run, with, by governor generals appointed by the crown. And whoever, whoever politicians and houses sat in Congress or, or Parliament um, were under the supreme... Um, Hootspah from Britain, basically appointed by the Queen, Governor General. Well, that that gave an awful lot of power. They could have the complete authority of, of the Crown to do whatever they wanted to do in times of any kind of crisis, even when it wasn't a crisis. Uh, and that never went away. So when you see this kind of thing, same in war, but now it's a war on a virus. So they all come out again in the foxholes. They take command and. And uh, and so, yeah, police can now enter homes to look for people gathering. So police, as is New Zealand, and uh, in New Zealand, eh, they entered a four-week lockdown to break uh, the transmission of the virus on Thursday. Police officers have pulled over people who were breaking the self-isolation order, apparently unaware it was in place. And the commissioner, Mike Bush, in a series of TV and radio, on Thursday, reiterated that people will initially see the friendly face of police. Initially, this is how they're getting it, yeah. The friendly face of police um, during the lockdown. But we'll be ensuring people will comply because if they don't, people will die, he said. So there you go. Um, it's, it's badly worded because you'd almost think the police are going to be <laughs> killed for but, uh, Of course, he's talking about the virus. I hope. And it says the police already had to educate people on the self-isolation order overnight. 
etc. And it, it or work, they'd first issue a warning, then arrest people if needed. And um, but you, I've got articles here about New Zealand and Australia where they they're going to go after the hoarders of of foods and different things and masks or anything at all that they suspect. By the way, you're, you're now in the Stasi system because governments now. Um, set up volunteers to snitch on all their neighbours if they see anything. And of course, you understand how the real thing happened with the old the witch hunt that they had, the witch hunt that they had in Salem, Massachusetts, where you, you get great movies made out of it. And I, I like the movies; they're kind of nice and scary. But in reality, you had a lot of jealousy amongst the different neighbours and farmers who'd owned better land or more of this or whatever. And and they're all vying for, with, with jealousy and envy of their neighbours. Well, once that kind of thing started, they were, oh, you know, there's a witchcraft, witchcraft, and then uh, they, they get rid of neighbours. Then they get, they, they go and grab the land, you see. It, humans are really devious characters. Really, come on. That, that's how people really are, rather devious. Well, it's the same kind of thing here. It's once you get neighbor, get neighbors some a little bit of power and snitches in this kind of situation, you you you'll be surprised who comes to the fore and starts snitching, and they don't like certain neighbors. Of course, that's the ones that are going to snitch on. Oh, you know, you said that that sod that you know what he's done. You know, I saw meat and an extra jammy sandwich. You know, and uh, you don't want a loud one. That's how that's how it goes. You see. So that's all started too, and we're living through this, and they've got organizations set up after 9-11 in the States, for instance, um, in every community for disasters and all the rest. Well, now they're all going into, into action. And they're, they're depend- Britain recruited to a quarter million or more of them, actually. That's for volunteers, and they all ran forward to, to be the, the commissars over their neighbors and so on. So I'll put these articles up. Remember, the, the articles I mentioned, I always put up the links to them. It's worthwhile reading some of them. Uh, and to, it gives you an idea of what's happening across the world. Especially. What happens elsewhere happens here, you see. It's, that's what happens. We also to, do know that there amazing things are going on in, in Germany. German finance minister for the state, you know, their, their main finance minister kills himself in despair over economic effects of the coronavirus crisis. Well, they shouldn't say that was economic effects of the corona. It's some other reason behind it, obviously. Something's been... You understand everything's make-believe, even fiddling the books uh, today. Every country's got magicians working in your booking system for you, your financial books. And uh, and and when something that upsets uh, uh, something before money goes back in that that, that technically is, uh, is is missing temporarily for some other purpose, then they, they lose out and they'll take the, they'll take the blame for it. So there you go. Australia's digital ID biometric capability to move into public testing in the middle of this year, 2020. See, so they're all copying China. That was the big trial for all. So the Digital Transformation Agency, isn't that wonderful? The DTA is anticipating the biometric component of its digital identity play will be ready for public testing by mid-year. Appearing at Senate estimates Thursday night, CEO Randall uh, uh, Brugod said the agency is currently ensuring 
that the quality of the biometric is exactly where it needs to be before it's pushed out to the masses. To the masses. I like how they speak about it as we're the masses, folks. Have you heard that before? Well, that's what they called them in the Soviet system, in the Bolshevik system, the masses. Masses have, don't have names, they have just numbers, you know. The thing that we've been very considerate, or, or, or what? Writing is so bad now, isn't it? You've noticed so many mistakes. The thing that we've been very considered on is <laughs> been very considered on is implementation of the biometric features to ensure that the facial verification service operates as expected. It's operating as expected, but it's not production ready, it says. I guess it would hands out again for big, big grants from the very slaves that's going to pay for it all and be monitored. That's how it works, eh? We, we, we buy our chains, I've always said. We buy our own chains in the slavery system. And uh, they're juggling 62 high-cost IT projects. It says, oh, the money is rolling for the big boys, eh? The big corporations. With big, big money getting thrown out all over the place, eh? Wish lists, as they call them. Mm-mm-mm. This is the overall digital identity program. Just over Australian $210 million has been spent to date. They've already spent it. How can you spend $210 million to make a, basically a, a computerized program system? Come on. Hmm? So my gov ID, this <laughs> is just so, so it's also almost biblical. Eh? Your gov ID, that's your government ID, is Australian government's digital identity provider handled by the Australian Taxation Office. We're, we're all just slaves, aren't we? Eh? It's like the 100-point ID check, but on a smart device, and it allows citizens to have their identity verified so they can access government services using that verified identity rather than being verified continually by each commonwealth entity. That's true enough. One, one ID thing, even a chip is better than all, a whole bunch of them, surely, just one good chip, eh? Or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> My gov ID, eh? Uh, tagged and numbered, eh? Quite, quite something. Mm-mm-mm. My gov ID, Ah, what a world, eh? What a world. It's just pretty sad and predict- so predictable, really. And that's the big thing about studying for many, many years is that nothing, surpri- nothing really does surprise you because ev- everything really is predictable. Another article to Australia's response to the coronavirus threat reveals we've lost our fundamental values. While the nation is faced with what is arguably the most significant peacetime threat since the Great Depression, it's worth reflecting on how we came together to overcome that tremendous obstacle. And then it goes into the the witless brawls and, and, and over territories at supermarkets and so on. And the Morrison government in Australia has unveiled a $189 billion stimulus package. That's a free-for-all for the big corporations. Eh? And the ones, again, who want to ID you and bring out new computer programs to monitor you and probably your color code like you have in China for are you safe, are you not safe, have you infected, you know, or possibly infected. $189 billion, eh? 
in an effort to keep our ailing economy ticking over. That doesn't make your economy, that doesn't make any work at all for the people who can't work, is it? It's for the big corporations. And they're already uh, taking a stand to discourage panic buying and ensure that enough uh, supplies are left in the shelves for most vulnerable members of our community. And it's true, you, you've, it, but the fundamental values have gone. I mean, uh, the, even the stores in Canada, some of them started to, you know, the big supermarkets. Uh, <laughs> I guess because someone complained that they said that uh, older folk... Um, couldn't get to their, their, their groceries because the, the rest of them were plundering the things before, before they get in. So they said, we'll open them an hour earlier than the morning. So you, you did, they'd have to get in, even from outside, and miles away from the, the people outside the cities, have to get to the grocery stores in the cities, right? An hour earlier. So they, they have to literally leave their homes about five in the morning. Only to find when they go there that everybody's pretending they're old and, and there's nothing left. It's disgusting, but it's predictable, as I say, very predictable. With the hype and fear and terror that's been pushed on television and even across the internet, too, it's just folk are, are, are cracking up intentionally. They know what they're doing at the top, they know what they're doing. I mentioned before, for change, you've got to stampede the cattle. The, cat, the cattle like to, to feed in a nice field, and, and it's harder to get them moving and started to move when they're enjoying themselves. The longer they're there, and if weeks pass, you're going to have a hard time to get unless you have like big explosions going off to terrify them. But otherwise, it's not going to happen. So once you get them moving, if you want change, and, and you just keep them going. And that's what they do with the public, you see. Keep them moving and moving, and each time they're passing through the good pastures and stuff, keep moving and moving because they're terrified. Just keep them terrified, and you can keep you can direct where they want you want the public to go. It's quite easy. This is all, all stuff taught in, in the higher realms of uh, behaviorism and management, as they call it, uh, social management. So yeah, terror is a great thing to get people to to just freak out and forget their sensibilities and do what they're told. In order to save their lives, you see. So then they go on to the again. They do they do and the same article eventually goes into the kind of um, the, like the green agenda type uh, speech uh, the women gave before, very similar. Uh, look back at the war and how we kind of pulled together then, and the Great Depression and blah blah blah, blah, blah you know, etc. This other one too is to do with supermarkets can open at Easter Day. And, and even Anzac Day, this is for Australia and New Zealand, prisoners may be released from jail early and police have been given the power to arrest people suspected of breaching self-isolation rules or any other public health directives, part of the new world, government, world order that was adopted by New South Wales Parliament on Tuesday night, which CARA MP uh, Ryan Park, who supported the law changes, has described as martial law. I'll put up to a, a PDF on Australia's policy. It's actually like a martial law policy mm-hmm. for those who want to read it, because we're the same everywhere, uh, Canada, uh, Britain, and everywhere else. It's uh, pretty well the same, same agenda, martial law type thing. And it's wonderful, too. You don't have to bother and pretend about politics anywhere as you go through all this stuff. Just obey if you want to live and survive, and obey, obey, obey. And also police and Australian board 
a border force have launched a joint bid to catch people suspected of hoarding supermarket goods and selling them on the black market in Australia and overseas amid the coronavirus outbreak. I'll put that one up too. Quite a few from Australia that someone sent me. And Australia Post's open opens a new concept store that will only ship to China. Quite interesting. That's published a year ago, that one too. And China too, because of their system. Uh, I remember the milk scandal when the protein was getting taken out of it in China and some some um, substitute was put in there. It was actually killed some babies and all that. And uh, basically, basically melamine I think they were using as a protein uh, because someone had, he said in the West too, they, uh, some wise guy bribed somebody in um, the Food and Drug Administration in America, I think it was, to classify melamine as a protein. And so they could start adding it to, to milk products. But, uh, but it was kind of booed down even though it was passed. And so, the, but, but China went along with it and did it because they could take the protein out and then sell the protein separately. And so at that time, a lot of them were buying milk uh, from elsewhere into China because they, naturally they, they, they wanted the real stuff. It wouldn't harm them or their children. I remember the same thing happened in China with uh, diapers. It was just too expensive in China, and so they were, they were sending, sending it in bulk from Australia to them. So I'll put that link up to how bulk supplies of Australia's face masks, hand sanitizers, and other uh, vital medical items were shipped to China as the coronavirus pandemic took hold. Well, there's articles too from, from America and Canada. They even had articles praising them. It's wonderful. A woman in Toronto was sending it up to China for her relatives, thousands of them. Well, how many relatives has she got? You know, but I mean, and, but praise is a nice thing. But I thought, there's nothing here for Canadians. Now that we're supposed to wear them, or shortly, you can't get them because they're telling the as, <laughs> we're telling the peasants here they're going to pay for this. Oh, you, you know you can get a scarf and put it on your face. It might give you some protection. At least you won't be spreading it if if you happen to maybe not know that you have it. So you know, we can't get the real things because they've all been shipped elsewhere. But uh, but they want us to wear something. Uh, of course, the, the biometric cameras now apparently they can they can tell who you are by judging the space between your. Your, you know, on, your, on your forehead and your, your eyes to your nose and so, so they, they don't care so much now if you're wearing masks or towels or, 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 or scarves around your face I suppose uh, it's amazing they can change their minds about things eh? and a quick guide to safe shopping during the, the COVID-19 pandemic it says here I have to laugh at some of the expert advice we're getting now it's just like my god it's idiocracy it really is it they even Except the fact that these highly paid BS artists—that's that's bothersome stuff. Artists have uh, uh, got the gall to take the big handouts they get from governments to, to tell us stupid things that children know naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better Russell, he says the public won't be able to move without expert advice. And this is an article too. This is how many people die from the flu each year, according to the CDC. I've got a couple of articles like that. They've got graphs in the official report. It's just astonishing. Why well, should have lower deaths right now uh, across the whole of Europe as well than we've had in some previous, the last couple of previous years? So what's going on here? If these are official studies and official reports by the same official people that are terrifying us right now, you really wonder eh, what's going on. The one is from Global Research, uh, the articles, 
And this one here is um, it's from, let me see, Ask an Expert, one of the official sites. Yeah, it's a health thing. Explorehealth.com, and they give you the flu ones and so on. The Global Research one has the official ones from the organization that runs the, and does all the stats for Europe, the whole Europe, year by year, and you'll see the graphs on it that I'll put up. And we're way down. We're actually got fewer overall deaths than previous years. Two years ago was a really nasty one across Europe. So I'll put them up as well. And... Uh, I love too. Have you noticed too that, that you get all these happy, happy, uh, you know, PR motivational experts that come on to radio now? When I was in the radio, and they're on radio telling you how to here's how not to go mad at home and look upon it pleasantly. How can I, again turn this 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 crisis to your advantage and learn how to relax at home? And it's hard to relax at home if no money's coming in. Eh? It's hard to relax at home. If you're, if you're like 20 or 30 miles from a city and the time you go there, there's nothing left. Or they give you two cans of beans and you're supposed to go home. It's a lot of gas. You know? Or petrol, as they say in Europe. But it's a lot of gas. So it's kind of hard to go home and say, well, you know, I think I'll just sit here and uh, and look take advantage of this happy time here to get myself. And, and they, they tell you these wonderful th- side effects. Of, well, you'll, you'll eat less and you might lose weight. Well, there's a lot of skinny folk too. They're not all over obese and so on. And uh, apart from that, the kind of food we have these days too, it's so low in real nourishment. <sighs> these things don't really matter to the guys telling you how you should just be happy and, and, and use it to your advantage. Really. I'm going to tell you. Let's go ask an expert. There you go. Ask an expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we have Trudeau again. As I've said before, he's going to bring lots home. Still, there's, there's not enough... In the country at the moment, to cause a problem, it seems. But Trudeau defends new flights bringing Canadians home from across the globe. He says, "It says Canadians being flown home from abroad must be must subject themselves to rigorous and mandatory 14-day self-isolation to keep their fellow citizens safe. They've been living abroad for years, so Canadians must look out for each other. But they have a duty not to infect others. Well, maybe you should take that to heart." So he says, the government announces today that six planes carrying Canadians stranded in Africa and Europe are to touch down today in the effort to repatriate travellers stranded by COVID-19. So the Global Affairs Canada says the planes will arrive from Algeria, Ecuador, Senegal, Democratic Republic of Congo, Hungary and Spain. <laughs> yeah, Spain's a hot spot, some of the other ones are too. The parent says the government is planning more flights from Ethiopia, Burkina Faso, Côte d'Azur, Côte d'Ivoire, Peru, Algeria, Poland and Pakistan in the coming days. Plans are also being made for several flights from India starting April 4th and continuing for the next four days until April 7th. They're not really stranded, these people, I understand, but a lot of them live elsewhere. <laughs> they live elsewhere and maybe come here once in a while. A lot of folks, I mean, this is the way things are, you know. They'll come and they'll, they'll get their citizenship, then they'll go off to other countries to make, make more money because they can 
um, they can often get grants from Canada too across the world to, especially that through the UN, and this is a big, big part of it, the UN programs for changing other other countries. These very countries mentioned, in fact, they're trained in giving courses, now they're financed, and they even have houses. I remember giving an article where some of them in Africa, were, some of the women they sent back were, were given there were massive estates built for them. Uh, it's, you can't believe what really goes on. Eh? Really, uh, anyway, here's what it says too. It says, I mean, after telling you that folk have no work here, right? Well, about a month ago, it said that most Canadians uh, uh, can only survive financially for about a month. Well, it's longer than that now. But here it says, the government says it's approved 449 loans worth $1.4 million under its emergency program for Canadians abroad. And it's processing another 900 loan applications. Well, whoa, wait, what's going on here? What's going on? What about the folk that's already here and, and didn't go to live abroad <laughs> elsewhere? Ah, oh, dear, dear, dear. These are the times in which we live, eh? And also this article to do with um, everything we need to know about the virus, it says, to date, eh? The stacks and stacks of these articles. And the Chinese government is reportedly telling citizens to use a mobile app that tells them if they will be quarantined for the novel coronavirus. It uses a color code. According to the New York Times, green means people can travel freely, while yellow or red indicates they must report to the authorities. And e-commerce and, and the giant Alibaba and its sister company, Ant Financial, run the app, which also reportedly sends people's information and location to police. <laughs> That's what they're bringing out here, eh? And in Australia, too. The app represents an unprecedented use of consumer smartphone technology by a nation-state to respond to a public health crisis. And privacy advocates worry it's giving the Chinese government an excuse to harvest more citizen data. Maybe we should wonder about them doing the same things they want to unroll here from the previous articles I've just read. Anyway, among the coronavirus outbreak, citizens, uh, Chinese citizens are reportedly being required to use a smartphone app that tells them where they should carry, uh, that tells them they should carry them on, uh, on as usual, or report to a medical facility to be quarantined. But they've got to show it too, the colour when they go into stores now. A lot of them actually shows you that in some of the photographs they show you. But yeah, it's all to come here too, eh? And make hay while the sun shines, well, don't let a great opportunity go to waste to mark all the public, eh? And another article, too, it's quite interesting on financial systems, and this was uh, Corona Capital, Jeffrey's Abbott Labs found, uh, fund deals, it says, how a company has just landed a windfall as, it's, as it bought, as it bought it's, uh, over another company quite recently. They just got handed a massive contract. It just, it's not insider information, no, it's just pure luck, etc., but I'll put that one up, and um, it tells you how much the company paid for this other company, and so on. And the opposite of buyer's remorse, the market value of Abbott Laboratories, which obtained approval for a rapid coronavirus test, rocketed over $10 billion at the start of US trading on Monday morning. Some folk just read the tea leaves better than the teacup, you know. There you go. And then you have... Um, COVID-19 yet to impact Europe's overall mortality, it says. 
this is by Off Guardian Global Research. And it says uh, official figures for 24 countries across Europe show not only that overall mortality is not increasing, but so far it's actually well below the recent averages. The statistics were gathered by the European Monitoring of Excess Mortality for Public Health Action. That's the name of the the big um, partnership of agencies for Europe from 24 European nations aiming to promote preparedness for public health emergencies. This is an official group here. They track excess mortality, meaning the number of officially recorded deaths. And it shows you the maps over the over the last few years, year by year. And as I say, two years ago, the deaths were incredible across parts of Europe, including Scotland, I noticed, and parts of England too. And the color-coded maps to show you the, the, the infected rates and then the death rates for the last few years, including the present year. So there you go. I mean, you've got all these... Uh, uh, again, statistics can just terrify you. Hmm? Absolutely terrify you. Because that's what they're used for often. And then economic fallout mounts along with competition for gear, it says. Uh, it's put 10 million Americans out of work. I think it's more than that now. That within two weeks. And uh, 6.6 million new unemployment claims on top of 3.3 million last week came as a competition for a scarce ventilators, mass and uh, protective gear seemed to grow more desperate. And, and uh, you know, there's another one from, um, um, there's a few videos out there by doctors and professionals uh, who are also part of, um, I think it's the Hoover Institute, giving you awfully good opinions. You should look them up on YouTube. And one of them is explaining, one's a, a virologist and a specialist in the area for the government, but he, he said that um, they, they really don't, the stuff that Fauci and others are, are quoting, uh, honestly, he says, he says, they don't know how many folk have got it. And it's true, very few folk get the test, you understand, very, very few. And now I've got articles where, just like the H1N1, I happen to have you, that actually, when the doctors were told, oh, it's just overwhelmed, just, just put them all down as H1N1, they got a sniffle. Well, that, they're doing the same thing now with this one, naturally they're doing it, which inflates the number. And, uh, and then the ones who've got it, a lot, most of them don't even know they've had it, you see. So it's a big numbers game going on for different purposes, obviously. It, it just, things just don't add up properly on any possible front whatsoever, including uh, the, the, the definition of a pandemic is, and the numbers. They were way, way under the, the numbers needed at the time when they declared it was a pandemic, when you go through it all. Officially, I'm not talking about people's guesses, I'm talking about reality, but the Hoover Institute, they had the top virologists saying the same thing, that uh, when he's asked the question, did, did, what about the numbers? He says, they don't know. <laughs> they really don't know. How many people really have it in, in, in the U.S. or Canada? The real total, they don't know. It's all computer figures. It, it, it's, it's just like how they work out the future, oh, the climate change thing, you know, and We'd all be dead. There'd be, no, there'd be no icebergs by about 10 years ago and no snow. Al Gore said you'd have to tell children what snow used to be like. Here I am, still got about five feet out there in the fields. And it's April. You know. See, facts don't matter. It's computers that take the, 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 the lowest thing that could happen to the highest. And it, it supposedly works out a thing. But I guess well, you don't need a computer for that, folks. 
and the computer. They're, they're all used. All these decisions from computer come from the the, the 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 statistics from computers. They're all meant for political decisions or big corporate decisions at the very top to change policies. They use that as evidence. It's, it's, it's a magician's trick. At least what it is. Because it's, it's mainly his guesswork. So they're using these. It's like Neil Ferguson, as I've mentioned before. That's quoted by people at the top. Well, you know, he's, he's this is the same guy who, who who's been behind different things in the past that didn't work out too well for even farmers in Britain and elsewhere. But now it's the humans, and there's massive all oh, millions and millions are going to die, and another bringing it down and down and down, eh? And we're still all under lock. We're getting worse under lock and key, basically. But, but it doesn't matter as the numbers drop. It's, there's a bigger agenda behind this, obviously. The computers, yeah, the, the people bowed and prayed to the neon gods they made. Yeah. The replacement, you see, the computer, the computer, tell us what we should do to save us. Oh God, computer. Mm-hmm. And here we are, eh? And, and they quote this stuff as though it's holy. Honestly, isn't it? It's like an oracle. It's like an oracle, the oracle at Delphi, where the woman on the chair would, which is, she's getting stoned with all the gases coming up out of that area, and, and she's hallucinating, and she'd ask questions, and she'd, oh, yeah, come, come April, you're going to find out that millions will die unless they obey the god Zeus. This reminds me of... An awful lot, in fact, that was said by Lord Bertrand Russell, who was a, uh, he pushed what appeared to most folk at the bottom. They, th- they thought it was all for, for themselves. They stood up for them. No, he didn't. He was looking towards scientific socialism uh, on, for, on behalf of ruling the world with his own upper class running it all, of course, with a scientific um, academia managing all, uh, every, every facet of it, in fact. And that's, that's really what he was after, scientific socialism. And he said, he said, if there's to be a tyranny, meaning a tyranny over the world to make everybody conform and do what they're told, he said, I would much prefer it to be a, a scientific tyranny. And so when you think about what he said and what they've been working at all along to promote uh, the white-coated priests, the scientists over the peoples that displace all other religions gradually, and then they bring you even diseases through their science and so on, through laboratories, and oh, it escaped from here or escaped from there. They've had many in the past, of course, across the world, same kind of thing. And they brought you the, 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 the atom bomb and other kinds of uh, incredible weaponry all through science. And with the present crisis, again, supposedly from a, a laboratory, so we're told it could be, um, it seems to be, sort of thing, according to the evidence we're given at the moment, but we're not given much at all, because we're in the dark, we're the mushrooms. We're fed, you know what, and kept in the dark. However, when you think about what Russell said, a scientific tyranny, and, and the answer to it all, of course, will be um, big pharma and vaccinations down the road, and including um, bracelets or ID implants and so on, to, to, ma- to monitor. So science, 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 science. Science causes the problems, and science gives you the solutions. So, yeah, he was quite right. As a scientific tyranny, we're under today, naturally. And most folk think it's all quite normal because they've been brainwashed to listen to a constant array, as Bertrand Russell said himself, of experts until the public can't think for themselves. They'll only be experts.
Uh, but here it is. We're going through it all again with, with the same kind of thing. And and even the, 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 the again the mayor of Toronto, I think it was the mayor of Toronto, or maybe it was maybe it was the, the premier of Toronto of, of Ontario. He said he said uh, there's one of the two of them. He said um, it was Ford anyway, and he said um, he says well he didn't want to contradict a, a statistic given out on what might happen. He says because all he says all all computer programs are different. They're all competing with each other for numbers. To, to get more ratings for each other, when you know, we, we're the important ones. We're, we're right. No, you're wrong. And and he says he didn't want to put conflicting data <laughs> from a different study. So this is it's all like honestly, it's like these, these are like these are, these are the oracles. You know, what did the oracles say today? Well, you know, you'll have to have another month in quarantine, and maybe even the rest of the year. You know. This is how it is, isn't it? And then you get the, um, the fever heat maps hint at turning point in U.S. COVID-19 cases. This is from J.P. Morgan analysts, eh? the banking boys. So the turning point in, it, it says, um, in the U.S. hospitals may happen in a matter of days rather than weeks to an analyst at financial services firm J.P. Morgan. You see, they've got more optimistic programs than their computers. You know, They generally are always right. They always seem to profit from the profits. And so, so here, here you have it. it says analysts made the projection on the basis of data from Kinza Insights, the healthcare firm that has generated heat maps from over a million internet-connected thermometers used by people all over the U.S. So they, they go through their formula, and uh, from their great computer system, and uh, they're more optimistic. See, it says the amount of cumulative unexpected illness it says expresses additional share of the population affected by influenza-like illnesses, and the amount of, corona, uh, of cumulative unexpected illness expressed um, as additional share of the population affected by influenza. See, everybody's getting put down as, as influenza-like illnesses, and often it's getting shoved in because they're not testing. You have to have a whole bunch of the supposedly this, the, 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 the expected symptoms. Uh, and, to, and to fit the criteria, their age group, blah, 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 gender, da, 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 to, to, to even be concerned for, for, for a test. And this is how it, so they're putting everybody down. Just, oh, it's self-quarantine at home, stay there. And you'll be down as a possible, and then presumed, and then, then they'll just say confirmed, even though you... <laughs> there you go. It's a numbers game. It says, the World Health Organization says 90% of COVID-19 patients have high fever as an early symptom. Well, that's contradicted by other stacks of stuff. This is the, the, one of the diseases, it seems to be, that every possible symptom under the sun for every other disease have got it. Well, you might or might not have a runny nose. You might or might not have an upset stomach. You might or might not have diarrhea, you know. Hmm? It goes on and on. It's just amazing. And anyway, the report New York Times pointed out how Kinza's data has been recently indicated as unusual rise in fevers in South Florida, even though it was not known to be COVID-19 epicenter at the time. South Florida became uh, the hotspot days later, but the data all point to spots in Florida, Michigan, Arizona, and, and eastern Texas, where not so many cases have been reported, it says. And so the analysts at J.P. Morgan have been tracking the fever data made available by the firm found that the COVID-19 pandemic started spreading in March with the atypical illness readings peaking in the third week of this month has been declining since then. The real-time data leads to hospitalization data by about 5 to 10 days, possibly the time taken by an individual to test and be hospitalized.
An analyst spotted an, an inflection of atypical influenza fly in the third week in real-time data to conclude that it appeared the containment measures in the U.S. were showing results. Mind you, too, you've also got two others, at least two other flus right now prevalent. There's articles about the H1N1 um, type A out right now as well. Uh, it was comical. I, I listened to, to late-night um, AM sometimes. Good reception from the States. I'm not a fan, it, 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 different uh, talk show hosts, although some of them are kind of humorous too, you know. But uh, one of them was, was Michael Savage. People know Michael Savage. He's, he plays the right-wing pro-Trump character at times when it suits him or whatever. But he mentioned that he'd, he'd had an upset stomach, which was one of the symptoms you, could, you might or might not have. it Again, this, this disease, they've, got, they've wrapped in every possible symptom under the sun. To make sure that it's got big numbers in it, so. but Michael Savage um, phoned. You're supposed to phone. You see, same in Canada, you've got six different agencies they phone through, and they'll decide where to bump you up to the next one because you might have a symptom until you get the final one, and then you might get to talk to someone that's got the, got the authority to have you tested. Uh, but so he got a he in the states he got a, a woman, a doctor. He says, yes, you know, she was kind of brusque and, and he knew from the start, he says, it wouldn't go well. But he mentioned that she, she went through the symptoms. Have you got this? No. Have you got this? No. What, what do you have? I've got an upset stomach. And he says, well, you don't fit the criteria. He says, what do you mean? It's a, it's a, here's a list of official symptoms. He says, that might be one of them. You know? And she, he got nasty and she got nasty and, and then she just hung up. And <laughs> so <laughs> he said the same thing. You can't get tested. But his call might go down as having had it, you see. So there's another number added to it, and lots like that too, you see. There's, there's a lot of games going on here as well, obviously. But it's quite interesting what's happening. And again, Wuhan residents say the, the coronavirus figures released by China don't add up. Well, I guess everybody admits to the same thing. Uh, even if the figures we're getting here don't add up. Yeah. Coronavirus general practitioner surgery apologizes for sending do not resuscitate form to patients. I mentioned that earlier. This is the actual article. And it says, the note says, those with severe illnesses were unlikely to be admitted to hospital. I would not be offered a ventilator bed. Well, that, that's in accordance with uh, the guidelines for the hospitals, actually, from the previous articles I've read for the last few weeks, where they admitted in Canada, too, that you know, that people with pre-existing conditions and that would probably get less treatment, if any at all, because they'd only give the medications and that out to, uh, and and the care out to those that were more likely to, they could pull through, meaning younger people or whatever. Uh, but it's all eugenics, of course, you see. So anyway, he's, he's, he's one surgery, you know, GP, apologizing for saying them, don't resuscitate to patients. It says those, so severe illnesses were unlikely to be admitted to hospital and would not be offered a ventilator bed. There you go. That's comforting to know, eh? Mind you, I suppose they'd want your organs. They could always sell them. A GP practice has apologized after sending a letter to patients to see it with serious illnesses to complete a do-not-resuscitate form in case their conditions deteriorated due to the coronavirus, if they got it. It was delivered to people with life-limiting illnesses such as incurable cancer and motor neuron disease. That covers a whole wide field of things. Uh, Lymphase surgery in, in Misting, South Wales, 
also said that completing the DNA CPR, do not attempt CPR, form had several benefits. Uh, this is in Wales, I believe. So the, the particular surgery in, in Mystic South Wales has apologised. Uh, it claimed uh, uh, doctors and family and friends would know not to call 999 if loved one's condition worsened. And 999 over there is like 911 here, you see. Which, of course, is 666 up, up, uh, upside down, if you want to go into that area of it, too. Anyway, it says, therefore, uh, do not use scarce ambulance resources and risk transmitting the COVID-19 to others. So just stay home and die. The letter has been published on Twitter with a quote from a patient saying it made me feel worthless. I've lived with cancer for eight years and I want to live another couple of years. And I'm not digging my grave yet. The note started by saying this is a very difficult letter for the practice to, uh, to write to you. It's amazing if they want permission, too, for you to agree to get killed or die off eh? I said people with life-limiting, uh, very legalistic um, illnesses were at much higher risk and were likely to be uh, offered hospital, uh, unlikely to be offered uh, hospital admissions. It ended by saying, "We will not abandon you, but we need to be frank about what the next few months holds for us." It says, "So there you go." On Wednesday, um, the the Gwyntaf University Health Board said the letter was not a health board uh, communication and that the surgery was apologizing to patients for causing distress, saying it was not their intent. Well, how, what else was it? What do you think of it? What kind of psychopath wrote that, eh? Hmm? <laughs> there you go. It's, it's astonishing, really, eh? And they'll all be down as organ donors. I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll snatch them. I, think, I tell you, if, you, if they could rinse out your organs, if you had the virus, and neutralize them, they'd sell off your organs regardless. This is, this is the corrupt system in which we really live, I'm telling you. And Iceland's testing is an interesting study. Iceland's very important. They've had documentaries out years ago about Iceland because they're, they're pretty well homogenous uh, population, being for centuries, marrying themselves within themselves and so on. And so a pretty pure type genetic strains, very well mapped and so on. And so they know what illnesses they're prone to within their families down through the generations and what's likely to happen in the future. But they also have a big, big testing ground there for big pharma set up, a huge, a huge complex there actually, a big massive skyscraper at one point. Uh, and they deal with, they use it like a, a test case for uh, testing stuff on them. Different drugs, medications, and all the rest of it, because they have that kind of. It's, it's, they get more uniform results because they're basically homogenous people. But because of that too, mind you, I'm sure I think they're using an awful lot uh, by giving stuff they shouldn't be taking. We're here to help you. This won't harm you a bit. Then they study you. Anyway, as a small nation, nation right? there's only three hundred sixty-four thousand people with strong healthcare. They have a strong health care uh, and a supportive social system. So is it, uh, they tested all the different people, a good, a good chunk of the people in it. And it says, to get the statistics again, right, they've carried out 10,000 tests, far less than what other countries have done, but on a per capita basis, it ranks first in the world. So out of population that size, you see, that's a lot. Not all the results from Iceland's tests have come through yet, but the ones that have showed that half of all cases are asymptomatic at the time of testing. 
This would suggest that, on the one hand, the virus is not as dangerous as we thought, but on the other hand, it would also suggest that it had spread far more than we're currently aware of. These results are also indicated by a testing survey carried on an entire Italian town of Vaux, Vaux, published in 3300, where the results showed that more than 50% of all cases are asymptomatic. The whole population in the village was tested and 3% of the residents tested positive. Then after a two-week lockdown, the population was tested again. The transmission had been reduced by 90% and the results were confirmed and the majority of cases seemed to be asymptomatic. Interesting. So it's still a rapidly unfolding situation across the world, however. They gave all these different studies that they're showing and uh, it isn't there's so many are just asymptomatic a lot of the asymptomatic ones don't show any never get it some of them uh, in china they noticed would would show would have no symptoms for weeks sometimes and then they develop symptoms but there's uh, stacks of them are coming out now with different countries saying that they've never they never had any symptoms that they can remember <laughs> so it's, it's very confusing but it's definitely hitting i think it'll definitely hit um Gene sequences it depends on your gene sequence for you, your own particular genetic makeup, uh, maybe from ethnic group or mixtures or whatever, um, they'll make you more or less prone to things. As I said before, you, uh, weeks ago, that uh, uh, A type blood group was more prone to it for bad outcome, that is. Not necessarily, it doesn't mean you're going to get a bad outcome if you've got type A, but they are more prone to it. And, they're, and they're, again, their studies. To have, to have bad outcomes, but didn't mention that that, that that may also depend on your age group too, or other pre-existing conditions. Again, it can be awfully confusing and misleading, unless you have awfully good uh, case, detailed case studies and and proper, proper proper detailing. And I mentioned too that uh, before last week, or a week before, I mentioned that, that they'll be using the the patients that are, that have had it. And now have antibodies, and then they'll be taking the, the, the serum, basically, and getting the antibodies from it. And, and, and I mentioned too, but the, the Red Cross did a big blood drive that was a separate article, but I tied it together because I know darn well that's what they're going to do. And for the very, very important and wealthy, and maybe even the military, you remember these things the, 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 the pecking order of importance in a, a governmental system is number one, pre- preserve itself, continuity of government. And for that, they need police, military, and everything else. So they'll be giving all this stuff on standby for the important people, as they call them. And we're just, we're just the masses at the bottom, so we probably won't get these transfusions if, if it's needed uh, to give you the antibodies to kill it off. And they, it works awfully well, by the way. This is nothing new about this or novel about that at all. They've done it uh, in previous. Uh, they even did some of that, in fact, back in the Spanish flu towards the end. There was trials of it getting done then, taking the stuff from survivors, and and it worked awfully well. Did the same thing in Africa. African doctors got so sick at the WHO that just had doctors sent over there to, to study them. The African doctors went to work, so we've got to try and save them. And they, they did the same thing there with folk who had Ebola. And they saved an awful lot of people. It worked like a charm for them. So they're, they're, now they're mentioning it now. This week, uh, uh, they're putting the two together, I put together a week before it, uh, saying they might try to do this in America. I'm sure they've already done it, actually, to more important people. 
immunity passport. So you get your immunity passport if you speed up, return to work after COVID-19. Just, just like just like Chinese, you say. It's not just coincidence. So, so German researchers studying how lockdown restrictions could be lifted for some people and so on. Just like China, Im- immunity passports for key workers could be a way of getting people who've had coronavirus back into the workforce more quickly. The scientists and politicians and you have suggested these researchers in Germany are currently preparing a mass study into how many people already are immune to the COVID-19, allowing authorities to eventually issue passes to exclude workers from restrictive measures currently in place. So there you are. Isn't it just coincidence that everyone just copies the same, the same agenda, eh? Isn't it? And all the hands are out by the big high-tech companies that own them, and, uh, and millions and billions are getting thrown around like it was just, just you know, confetti. And then this one here is police chiefs are drawing up a new guidance warning forces not to overreach their lockdown enforcement powers after withering criticism of controversial tactics deployed to stop or spread the virus. It comes after the, the, the find that some forces have gone beyond the legal powers to stop the spread, with one issuing a summons to a household for shopping for non-essential items. They go through your bags in, in, in Britain, and you're all allowed to get buy essential items, and the cop decides what's essential. And another telling locals that exercise was limited to an hour a day. There you are. Mm-mm-mm. It's quite amazing, isn't it, what we put up with. And, and we, did, we just accept it, don't we? It's like, well, you know, it's, it's like war. And World War II, they always say, well, it's war, you know. You know. And you have to put up all the hardship. Well, it's war. You can't get this, can't get that, because of war. And got to pull together for the greater good. And here we have, a, 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 this article continues with uh, Lord Sumption, who spoke out against what's happening in Britain. He, he was a, the, high, the high judge in Britain for a long time, I think. And he's turned against what's happening in Britain. He said that it's turning Britain into a police state, singly out Derbyshire police, which deployed drones and dyed a lagoon black. They did, dyed a whole lagoon black for trying to shame people and using their undoubted rights to take exercise in the country and wrecking beauty spots in the fells. This is straight out of Doctor Who, this kind of nonsense. And the Guardian has learned that the National Police Chiefs Council and College of Policing, NPCC, is rushing through guidance reminding the officers that despite politicians' warnings, they cannot bar people from going for a run or a drive. They've actually been fining folk for having a drive. They will tell you, you know, you cannot give this kind of power to people. You just, honestly, it doesn't stop, you understand. It gets worse. And I guarantee you that they're going to drag this on as long as they can, as if the little trial balloons. This might go on to the fall. And it might risk, and then the other articles say, this is how they feed it to you. Eh? Psychologists are designing it all. And then they'll have another article saying, close to the first one, it might, it might go on to the fall. You know, it might, it might recur again with a second wave in the late fall. So they'll so take you into next year. This is how they do it step by step. They, they, they treat you like children. And you've got all these behaviorists working with them and how to put it across to the public. I'm not kidding you. It's just a, the government's got batteries and levels of these, these, these con, I call them con men and women, with fancy titles. And that's what their job is, to, to coax you along like an animal. And then, of course, once they want to give you, make you immune from it, they give you. They call it herd management eh? in health. They do. They call it herd management. 
Anyway, it says, so and I'll put a link up too. I think Lord Sumption's got an, um, there's actually a, a video up on him too, maybe. Um, but he talks about it. You, have, you can't give this kind of power to the, to the police, how they're turning it into a police state. And he should certainly legally know that. I mean, you don't need to be a judge to know it, but uh, he knows what the laws are, and he says it's not lawful what they're pushing. India's coronavirus lockdown sparks mass migrations and an economic catastrophe and a crisis of faith in Modi. It's just astonishing, because about two months ago and three months ago, when Trump went over too and then signed his deal with China, with India, to buy armaments and stuff, that articles in the... And again, don't forget that India is also part of this big free trade agreement, where we, the, 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 the advanced... How can we even call ourselves advanced countries now, eh? We pay for the, the, the developing nations. We're still paying for China you know, through developing nations agreements and free trade and the GATT treaty. Uh, as we go down the tubes, you see, we're paying now for the whole for the whole Pacific region, etc. The other big agreements and, that, and India um, to come up. Well, India had articles just before Trump went. How they're going to buy, you know, so many brand new military aircraft and and a whole bunch of ships and an aircraft carrier or two, and I thought, come on, come on. I mean, that should be that's not your priority here. Well, and here they are now, uh, going berserk because um, if enough folk get sick in, in India, you won't get the crops and everything else, and yada yada yada, and suddenly, you know, reality hits home. That, that, that you know, you, you already start taking care of more important things first before you start thinking about spending all this money on on aircraft and military and weapons and all the rest of it and having big grandiose ideas. So in a way, it's going to be. There's so many poor folk in the untouchable class there that have no place to live right now. They can't get back to theirs. They're forbidden to travel on the roads, like walking hundreds of miles sometimes back home, because there's no work for them now. It's everyone's in quarantine. Nowhere to stay. Uh, uh, uh. Disaster in the making right there. And then this one here, talking about uh, Canada too, or Ontario. Dr. Peter Zalan, to protect the North, it's time to close the roads to all but essential traffic. After that, judge from Britain says they can't stop you from going for a drive. And it mentions Pinecrest Nursing Home, small community, 150 kilometres northeast Toronto. All started mid-March with mild chest symptoms and four patients were ill on Tuesday, eight were ill on Wednesday, and by Thursday it was 12. By Friday, 23, three have tested positive for COVID-19. All nine are presumed to have died of the virus. And by the way, that actually does happen with flu seasons as well in, in these old folks' homes where they're crammed together. It's just... I did talks on that years ago. Same kind of thing. 17 members of the staff tested positive and 34 have symptoms. So it's uh, it's quite something. In Quebec, in Canada, the government announced on March 28th it was removing immediately to protect some of its province's more remote regions from the spread of the, the virus by setting up checkpoints to block non-essential travel. If people attempt to enter or leave the regions are not providing an essential service. If they're not going for health reasons or for humanitarian reasons, they will be sent home. Uh, quite something. Mm. And what else have we got here? We've got more banning things on Britain and elsewhere. Uh, so it's 
It's just endless, really. Why is the, the, the government relying on nudge theory to fight coronavirus? Well, as I say, it's all behaviours. The, the money is getting thrown out at these... Uh, uh, I have no words for them, actually. Because they've they, they, they got connections to government, these characters. And they can get the billions thrown their way for, oh, we can do a thing to really convince the public to go along with this. Honestly, we can do it quite easily, you know. Yeah. So this says here, they go, they go, they go into the social distancing and the, the banning large sporting. It says, but instead, Britain isn't going the hard, hard way. It says it's, it's using behavioral nudges, such as wash your hands, don't touch your face, don't shake hands with others, stay at home, etc. And they go into but how's a different approach used by Britain than in China, although it's a liar because Britain's also using a lot of the things they're using in China. But they, they mention that they're still using it. I read that article years ago with um, Cass Sunstein, who was a guy who made a name for himself. I think he worked for Obama at that time. And he calls himself a, a, a kind of behavioural, an amateur, or, or a, you know, a kind of lay-type behavioural specialist. And all his pals, the hangs around are behavioural specialists and so on. And so he uses insights about our mental processes to change our behaviour through coaxing and positive assertion. Rather than forcing us to do things, nudging tweaks the environments in which we make choices. You know, the Bernays technique, you know. For example, by requiring people to opt out of organ donation rather than opting in. That's what he does. He gets you to accept things. They, they brought him out in Britain a few years ago, Sunstein's Bunch too, and Richard Taller, and paid them big money because they're so well connected to government, these characters. Uh, they can get money for nothing, literally, and big money at that. Uh, to con the public and they're doing what they want them to do, including paying taxes. They can convince you, you just feel guilty about it and, and then, then make you make you offer money to charity and then make you offer your organs and stuff like that, you know. I hate these I hate these characters, I really do. I've no time for them at all. Disgusting characters. Anyone who want, who who wants to get into the into the subconscious of people to manipulate their behaviour, I've no time for at all. Not at all. Mm-mm-mm. So anyway, they're working for Britain's government, and this is what the article's about. And of course, all the behavioural insights teams are working on board with the two, which I've mentioned over the years. Ofcom, another one too, was set up. Um, Ofcom, O-F-C-O-M, set in Parliament June 2001, you see. Just coincidence to do with, uh, it'd be a super regulator to oversee media, with uh, before nine eleven happened, I just again they saw the tea leaves there and says, you know, this is the biggest thing you have here, where we could stop, uh, you know, and manage and police digital transmission on the internet. And so they went, they gave them all this authority, and it's based in Wales in England. And they were, oh, Wales is different, but they call it is part of the UK. Anyway, it says they've managed to to censor the company. They've, they've even put I think RT off off the the news and the internet for the British systems and so on. And so, so it's a censoring department who decides who's going to be on, who's not going to be on. Very much like some organizations in the States do it for the States, or thought policing. And the UK government to give Ofcom power to police what is posted on the internet. But it's happened in 2001, and now it's going the next step, the next step, and the next step, until they're, they're really just complete censorship department.
and um, and it doesn't surprise me. Everything is, is always going to come along that they talk about. Also, um, lines of fresh graves dug at cemetery amid coronavirus pandemic. This is Ireland. Uh, as funeral directors urge the public to respect social distancing rules. So I, I don't think it's, it's that level yet of deaths, but uh, everything's terrifying the way they put it across, isn't it? And Toronto imposes mandatory COVID-19 quarantine rules for at least 12 weeks now. So there's a new, a new uh, rule put out in Toronto, apparently. I don't know if this person who's put out is already a star yet, another doctor, but or whatever. But that's what they use, make them stars, and they then they dictate to you like some kind of, I don't know, celebrity. And again, a China scientists isolate extremely effective antibodies that may help treat COVID-19. It's the blood one I'm telling you about. And, uh, yep. And this whole idea with universal credit and unemployment money now may have to change. Nearly a million people have been forced to sign up for unemployment benefit due to the coronavirus pandemic. I thought it's a lot more than that, actually. There's more to come, I'm sure. I think this one is in the UK. And uh, it says the new welfare system is designed to provide an incentive for people to look for, to get work by enable claimants to keep receiving benefit payments alongside income from a job. Eh? This is all part of the, like the universal income, basic, and all that kind of thing. So now, of course, that's going to get uh, hammered now, too. You're going to bring in rationing is what they want to do eventually, regardless. And I'm also going to put up, let me think now, just before I finish off here, I'll put up, as I say, the one about Australia, which is the emergency laws that they put up. I've got them for Canada too, and for the US. And uh, I'll put up, let me think now. <laughs> A second company sent 90 tons of, of Australian medical supplies to China, uh, was of course you're nothing left for yourselves. Same in Canada, the same thing. Uh, what a world, eh? And the army has been called in in Australia to help enforce strict new quarantine rules. We're gonna get, we're gonna get them everywhere too. Um, initially, they'll come in supposedly to help and, and dish out things and maybe give you a couple of cans of beans. But but eventually they, they turn for the real purpose is to really really act as policemen. And uh, it's amazing too. Don't forget they're, they're cancelling a lot of elective surgery and, and and essential things. Folk are dying for their reasons here too. They can't get treatments and so on. They're already talking about uh, more folk dying who are dependent on drugs which are made in China. Because we make nothing outside of China anyway, it seems to except debt. That's what we make. Yeah. Ridiculous. Interdependent, they called it. Which means you're totally dependent on China for everything you need to, to survive. Yeah, quite amazing. Now, anyway, here's another one too. Is this article here. Which I'll put up for you if you want. You have little clips to see. UK police face allegations of being overzealous at coronavirus social distancing, uh, called ITV News. That's on YouTube. Dellingpo uh, um, and Peter Hitchens special is a talk that they had amongst themselves. Uh, interesting to listen to, to the points of view that they have. And there's Lord Sumption, 
who destroys the shameful UK police force and calls out fear-mongering media on the BBC, as he said, uh, you know, well, that's what it is. It's that it, the whole panic has been a massively authorised because the media is not independent. It really isn't. It's an arm of real government, the ones who really own uh, above politics. And they, they stampeded the whole world on cue. And it literally like a switch getting moved. And they suddenly went into action all at the same time together. Way overboard beyond any, any conspiracy stories that were before them. Uh, way overboard. They're all going to die. So anyway, uh, so Lord Sumption gives a good little talk on it. Um, and then Trevor Kavanaugh, hysteria forced the UK into lockdown. It's just total steered, of course, isn't it? This, one, this is a, quite an interesting one. The journalists are key workers, too, it says. And the guy, you'll see the guy talking to the cop stop to talk to him in these big vans that they've got in Britain. Uh, are, we out for, are, are you out for your one short walk, sir? That, that's how it was worded. Your, your one short walk. Hmm. Mm. My God, eh? Our wardens, our new wardens, eh? And David Wormoff on COVID-19 and globalism. And Australia should take back the land from China as damages. <laughs> that was someone who was talking about it too, blaming China for it. And uh, Farage is quite interesting. Say no to house arrest. As yeah. a YouTuber. And you have become the thought police. UK police chief questioned over recording of hate incidents. These are not crimes, by the way. A thought... It's not a crime, but it is now, apparently, for, for life, it's on your record. Uh, what a world day, what a disgusting system has been brought in. And often because certain, certain factions of society that are well-organized and literally, are, even the big foundations who live on billions and trillions a year, some of them, big foundations, literally, uh, have got their hands out for our tax money too. There's big money in, the, in these for, for hate or anything else. There's no money in love, apparently, but um, unless you're, you're, you're running some kind of sex orgy place, which apparently is quite legal now for swingers. Eh? But for hate, it's big money, big money, because then you can go after... There's organized, there's people, even nations go after people, because it's, it's a business. It gives you an advantage if you're in charge of what folk can say or think. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in now, when the, the average person's given no real power at all, or rights at all, and whoever you did have, you're losing it very, very quickly. Now, I think I've, I've talked about enough here, and I hope I haven't bored you, but I'll put all these links up for people who want to work their way through them. I'm sure you're all, you've all come to the same conclusions anyway, because most folk are pretty well awake that listen to me at least, and... We know it's not it's not pleasant. It's not meant to be suddenly over and done with either. And in, and even if they bring it, if if they start changing it and, and towards the fall, and to giving it less restrictions, it's been a massive exercise regardless. And then they'll know how to do it more. And you've been trained as well to go into it more quickly the next time they bring it out, which might only be before the next the winter hits. Well, it might come back in the late fall, you know. Or the spring, and you know, <laughs> it's quite something, because the, the the incredible data from countless thousands of organisations right now are getting paid to monitor and and all this stuff and analyse all. Uh, it's all to control you all all the more perfectly. 
unfortunately. And big money out there by all these... See, since you don't make any real tangible goods anymore, all these organizations have got their hands out. And we, it's all paid by our tax money to study us, minutely. Because we are the business. The only business that's left really is us. So look after yourselves, folks, and don't panic about things. Don't panic. And you can only do what you can best do to keep yourselves as safe as possible and away from this, this problem. And, um, and hopefully you have got other folk who will help you out. If you get totally housebound completely and you can't get to whatever, and folk can, can get food to you, whatever it happens to be. Because the government, especially in Canada, they can see has done nothing at all to help the average person, especially those outside the cities, or, and those are probably more vulnerable, in fact. Uh, there's nothing set up to, fight, to, to, to check on them and see if they're okay, as far as I know. Unless they belong to certain organizations. You, see, if you're just an ordinary person today, you don't belong to any special group, uh, you're a nobody. I said that would happen 25 years ago. You're nobody. You'd have to belong to a group to get any, any rights at all or any notice. And that's happened, of course, as we all know. Sad but true. Now, just before I finish, I should mention again, because we have very short memories these days, don't we? And including me, mind you, because I generally have so many talks. Sometimes I do 50 talks without mentioning donations and so on. I just forget all about it as you get carried away with the, with the chat. So remember, you can order the books and so on, cutting through matrix.com. They'll take a while because the printers are all shut down too, but they'll eventually get to you. Discs still go out there, mind you. And you can just donate to me uh, by using PayPal or send checks, for instance, or money orders, if you can get money orders. Um, there's different ways to do it, but uh, you, you can find out how at cutting through the matrix.com how to order and how to donate is all there. And plus two, just email me, remember, as well, if you if you want to know whether ways you can pay me or get cash to me, because cash is acceptable too, naturally, and so, is, so are checks, as I've said before. So uh, don't forget, you can send a few pennies my way for, to cover my costs as well. Now back to the talk again. So take care of yourselves, and say don't panic, and... Um, I really, uh, I really check the mail that comes in. So, so much mail comes in, uh, email. Uh, and I know the people, too. You get to know people. And um, I do my best to, to get back to them if I can. But the one thing I never lose sight on is the fact that they're real, real people. You know, Very important, that. And it makes it all the more worthwhile just knowing uh, the real people are getting in touch with me, I get in touch with them, and you get to know them as uh, really fully as, as, as people. That's really a rewarding thing. So from myself on what from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. We are God, or your gods go with you.